Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. We've got a short crowd today. Joining us is Adam Vitali. Hey, and always. Josh Torres joining us as well. There's children yelling downstairs, and this might be the last podcast I'm doing on this computer. Everything's nuts over here. <laughs> you said uh, you're, you've got a birthday party going on downstairs. Is that right? Yeah. My ne- weirdly enough, my nephew has his birthday party today. The, the right now recording on April 30th, and his birthday is like back on April 7th. So I don't know what's going on. Just why not? I guess that's how birthday the, parties work. Were there were, the, were those sirens I was hearing earlier? Were those coming from you? Uh, probably. We're in we're in California. The sirens all the damn time. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's yes. what I learned pretty quickly after yep. living here for a month. So welcome. Yeah, welcome sirens all the time. People being awkward as they try to cross your path. I had a guy on a bike like just almost hit me while oh going. To, it's like there was like a huge sidewalk, and he decided he was going to curve into me. I don't know. It was really weird today. That checks out for California. Still- just like fake you out? Yeah, I don't know. He was trying to let me get past him, and he decided he was going to get to the other side for some reason, even if he was going one direction. I don't know. It was weird. So anyway, let's <laughs> let's get rid of that conversation and move on to the big stuff that we want to talk about today. Now, first up, we've got um, Adam. You've been playing Rage Gigant. Uh, you've got a review up on the site, rpgsite.net. And it sounds like you're kind of mixed about this, but you still believe it's like an above average experience for you. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so I talked about it a little bit last time, but Rage Gigant is now the it's now the fourth localized game from Experience, who is basically um, they specialize in dungeon crawler RPGs. Um, so while most of the dungeon crawlers they do are like wizardry style, like Sword, Stranger of Sword City, which I talked about before, you know, creating classes, races, you know, managing skills and things like that. This Rage Gun is a bit different. It's, it's, um, and this is actually what Actil described it as partially as well. It's kind of like a mix between a visual novel and a, and a dungeon crawler. Like most of them uh, are anyway. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I don't. Demon I disagree. Like that. I, just because it has static portraits uh, and text, it's not really. I wouldn't put Demon Gaze as a visual novel. Oh, but anyway, it's like much more involved in that. The parts like they're like more like. There's just dynamic, a lot, I guess. No, there's movement. just a lot more dialogue, a lot more mm-hmm. character interaction. It's, um, anyways. So you, how the game is set up, rather than using classes, rather than using, um, you know, created parties, uh, you basically follow three separate characters throughout the game. Uh, Ichia, uh, Kyle, and Nil. And so when they describe this game, each of these characters kind of takes the lead for, uh, for their own section of the game. Um, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't sure at first if it was like, I I don't know, like something like Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, where it's like you get three different perspectives and then they kind of overlap or anything like that. But it's, it's actually not like that. It's the story is still a linear kind of going forward story. Um, point A to point B, just that the character you're kind of behind the perspective of changes as you as you progress through the it's game. It's like Final Fantasy 13. Do you choose these like at the beginning of the game? Like who do you want no. to choose first, or it's, it's just like a story, right? Path. It's a it's a, a static yeah, story. It, okay, yeah, it's it's static. Um, nothing changes. There are no multiple branching paths or anything like that. It's just your perspective changes as you go forward. So yeah, kind of mm-hmm. like. Final Fantasy 13 um, yeah, just leads you to the next group that you don't know what they've been doing. So now let's see what they've been up to, kind of thing. Is that yeah, right? But, okay. Um, 
Yes, basically. And so you always start with Ichia's story, uh, and then you go to uh, Kyle and then Nil. And then oh, is it, like a... is it like broken up into chapters or something? Uh, yes, it's broken up into chapters. Okay. But it, it it's like Kyle's story is like five chapters, and then it goes like starting at chapter six, I believe. You go to uh, sorry, Ichia's story is the first five chapters, and then starting at chapter six, you go to Kyle's story for another five chapters. So each story is separated in, into chapters as well. Um, A lot of chapters. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's like chapters are subsections of stories. Anyway, how long are these chapters? That's what uh, chapters are. Uh, so the game doesn't actually like when you when you're saving it doesn't like give a give a readout of how long you know your your gameplay time or whatever. So damn it! <laughs> if I had to guess, it's they're about ten hours each. The total maybe oh. a little less. The, t- the total game was about thirty hours. Um, okay. So it's not a long game. That um, sounds like a long game. <laughs> that sounds like a 30, <laughs> 30 hours. hours. Sounds like a long game. What world do you live in where that's not long? Well, I mean, like Stranger of Sword City was like 50 hours, so... Okay. Relatively speaking, yeah. you've been going through all these experience RPGs. It's yeah. hard to tell time anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, I consider like long RPGs to be like in that 40, 50 hour range or more, like or like Persona 4 or whatever, but mm-hmm. or maybe short in that 20 hour range. So 30 is, you know, in the medium I mean, Persona uh, 4, that's extremely long, yeah. Right. Um... But anyways, so um, I guess I'll start off with what I liked. Um, the localization, I thought, was actually very well done. Um, there's a lot of personality that came through the character writing. Um, it Like, Stranger of Sword City, actually, its dialogue felt kind of robotic at times. It kind of felt just, you know, just there to be there, just to kind of a vehicle to move, you know, the events forward. But... Um, Rage Gaunt, of course, having a lot more just dialogue and interactions in general, I felt like it did a really good job establishing the characters, kind of giving them a personality. Um, and not only that, but um, the, this whole the whole writing in this game, I, I said this in my review, it, it feels a lot like uh, Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the story of the game is, in, in a nutshell, is basically there's these gigants that show up out of nowhere, um, and they show up in the major cities of the world, like Tokyo and England and all that, um, London. And then uh, they basically put the world in like this, not really post-apocalyptic, elliptic, but it's you know a devastated state where people are now living in safe zones, and there's these gigants that are just showing up. And then you have our main three characters... They each acquire through different means uh, a yorigami. A yorigami is like a an amulet. It's actually like a sentient amulet. So it has its own personality and it talks and all that. That gives them power. Um, so these characters are basically the hope of the world to uh, take out these gigants. So there's these different factions that show up, one in Tokyo, one in England, and all that, to basically use the power of these um, characters to take out these monsters. So it's like it's got, it's got that similar type of structure where they have like this base and then, you know, a gigant appears and they have to go set up a mission plan to how they're going to take it out and all that. Okay. Um, uh, and I just felt like the game most of the time, I felt like I was invested in learning more about the mysteries of the, of these gigants and why they're there. And not only that, but these different characters, one of the, one of the main key arts in the game, they show Kyle and Ichia kind of clashing with each other. That's because these characters are not, allies at the beginning they kind of working for different factions with mm-hmm. different different ideals and how they're going to basically you know protect humanity or how they're going to move forward 
Um, so I, that so was actually has more... like their own agenda, you would say. Yeah. Um, and so it, basically, there's a little bit of a clash in ideal and how they're going to uh, basically. Well, just not to get into any specific details, but like how much can we sacrifice? You know, what mm -hmm. what's for the greater good? Um, Reminds you of a uh, Devil Survivor too, a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Um, so. Basically, um, I guess just to continue on that train of thought, the I, th I, I was really enjoying the story and narrative aspects of the game a lot, except for a few things. One, there are a couple of characters that are really nothing more than a gimmick. For example, there's a character that basically every single time they open their mouth, they talk about drinking or getting drunk or going to the bar. Yeah, and, I like and, this you character. Know, yeah, it was <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like amusing at first, but then like when he when he started spouting that stuff, like every single time he talked, it was just like eye rolling, you know. Get enough <laughs> of it. Is it that there's an English dub in this game, or is it just Japanese only? Just Japanese. Okay. And it's good. Um, mm -hmm. You know, definitely no issues there. Um, and uh, but there were a couple of characters that kind of had a gimmick, but I felt that they were uh, more appropriately used. One of them, there's a character who's like a big gamer nerd, um, and she's like a collector of, you know, like retro games and things. Trups, um, trups left and right. <laughs> yeah. And like. At least it's retro they, games. Yeah. And it's just uh, like, for example, there was one situation where uh, you're in the dungeon um, and you're collecting things in the dungeon, and one of the characters says something like, let's just go for the boss, you know, let's just get through here. And she's like, no, collecting everything. That's like the key. You know, if you're a gamer, that's what you do, right? Uh, and you know, it's kind of it's kind of cheesy, but it, I thought it worked for her. But yeah, so there are a couple of gimmicky characters in there. Sure. Um, so like, well, with, are the side characters like more one-dimensional compared to, like the three main ones in the game? Would you say? Um, not really, because that character I just met, I mentioned, I just mentioned was essentially a side character. Um, her name is Rinoa or Riona, Riona, um, and. She actually kind of is one of the more uh, dynamic characters in the game, um, and you. She's actually one of the most present too in all the stories. Um, okay. So, so yeah, there are the the main characters. I would say each are um, compelling enough, but there are definitely some of the side characters which are um, positives too. The other mm -hmm. thing I was disappointed at is like uh, disappointed in is this game is kind of building up these mysteries this whole time, like. How, what's going to happen, how are we going to save the world, and all that. And then the ending of the game is just kind of the most... Um, like, even if you knew nothing about the game, you might be able to guess what happens. Uh, and basically, the conclusion and how the, everything wraps up is... I, I was just really disappointed. It just kind of felt like it all went out on a whimper, and it's just kind of like, that. that's it? Oh. That's that's what you're building up to? Uh, that's <laughs> unfortunate, yeah. And then... Um, and then... Uh, one thing that was also slightly annoying... Um, in Japan, after it released, this game released, they added like uh, a new game plus mode, and for beating a new game plus mode, you get a slight, you get a, a sh kind of short epilogue scene uh, of each of the characters. Like this is what they're doing afterwards, um, but that's that is locked to a second playthrough. Uh, so it's just kind of disappointing. You have this whimper of an ending, and then like this epilogue um, is locked to the second playthrough. That sucks. And I actually blitzed through the game again just to see it, and it's still disappointed. I mean, obviously, blitzing through the game again wasn't necessarily my idea of fun or what I really right. wanted to do. But How fast it, were you able like, to get through the second playthrough? 
you with the new game plus bonuses um it's it's you still have to go through all the scenes there's not not like any scene skip you can kind of like fast forward but no skip but even in the new game plus and this is kind of i don't know if any other game does this you actually get a god mode cheat code so oh jeez, <laughs> that, okay that's pretty good all right yeah so you can kind of let's do it without any problems with that. <laughs> that's awesome good lord at least but anyway even then the epilogue is just kind of like okay that was sort of nice but still didn't really it's still a lot goes on thing yeah basically um like this is what they're doing now that they don't have to worry about fighting gigants anyways um so yeah i thought the story of this game uh, there's definitely a lot of dialogue a lot of story but i felt like most of the time i was enjoying it but it kind of soured on me right at the end so <laughs> that's that uh i guess talking about the game itself this is a lot easier than the other experience games um, there, there's really no difficulty to speak of. It kind of feels like that this was made for people who aren't necessarily, you know, into dungeon crawlers or, or more difficult games like the other ones can be at times. Uh, so it's more of a smooth ride throughout. Um, how it works is you get your character, your main character, Ichia, Kyle, or Nil, and then two of the other characters in the game accompany them for their section. Uh, and... Each of these characters kind of has a tree, um, a character skill tree that you can use to chain. You have a little bit of control of what skills you teach them, what stats you give them. But it's still pretty, you know, streamlined compared to, like, having full control over classes and things like that, like you would in uh, um, the other games, the other, like, Stranger of Sword City. Uh, So there are a couple of oddities with this game and its gameplay design, and I felt that some of them were pretty unique. Like, for instance, uh, you, there is no EXP at all in this no. game. Okay. Uh, so what, how you level up instead or, you know, gain abilities is by collecting gems in the dungeon. So they're like, they're like treasure chests, essentially. So you're rewarded for kind of exploring nooks and crannies, figuring out how to get around the various puzzles and picking up these gems. Um, and you also get a couple of gems from enemies, too, but mostly from dungeon treasure chests. Um, and then, uh, you probably have seen in the trailers, um, like instead of using just static portraits, the characters do animate in battle a little bit. They kind of have like a little anime. They spin their uh, swords and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of feels a little bit awkward because they're, they don't, they kind of do the same, you know, motion each, each battle, of course. I mean, well, you didn't yeah, really expect you... much different than that, but, uh, it's, it's just a little bit of a neat, uh, you know some character to the game. Uh, but what else? I guess, uh, so how it works in battle generally is that you you have an HP bar, of course, and then you have like an AP counter that goes up to 100 for the whole team. And that AP counter is basically what all your skills are subtracted from. And when, oh, you, use, okay. when you use skills, different skills, of course, have different amounts of AP that they use. Um, and so you can stack skills up to five for each character. You can, like, for instance, you could have somebody do heal, heal, attack, attack, like special attack or whatever. Uh, and those would take different amounts of AP each. And you basically, as long as you have AP, you can do whatever you want. Um, but AP does not regain itself after battle and you can't use like items to refill it or anything either. It regains itself by, by getting attacked or dodging attacks. Um, so you can't attack as much as you want, obviously. You have to yeah, be very so, conservative about that. It's all about that AP management. 
it, it kind of reminded me of something like Bravely Default, where you have to, if you can brave and defend and uh, kind of like how many actions you get, you're kind of managing control over that. It's pretty different than that, but it's the same sort of idea that you're, you have to manage what you do and how many actions and turns you get. Um, and then this AP bar kind of translates uh, from battle to battle. So you kind of have, to, you're kind of keeping control over it all the time, um, managing it. And the other thing is the HP gauge actually, it actually, you're fully healed at the beginning of each battle. Um, so that is kind of like, oh, uh, that is kind of like, <laughs> that is kind of like, uh, like Final Fantasy 13. Um, Not bad. So you don't have to worry about managing HP. I, th I said this in my review, you're kind of focusing more on your AP because that's something you kind of keep control over all the time. Or HP, yeah, of course you don't, you can't let it go to zero, but that refills every battle. Um, and then another thing that kind of goes on top of that is about every 10 turns or so, um, your characters go into a parasitism state. And what that is, is where your abilities start to subtract from your HP instead of your AP. Uh, and it's, <laughs> that sounds all right. It, Go on. It's 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 kind of one of those things like it's it makes it maybe a little bit more risky if you're stacking a bunch of abilities and using up all your HP to do that. Yeah. But but sometimes that actually is a beneficial thing. Uh, if you wanna if you need to regain AP, you wait for a parasitism state and then kind of spend your HP instead to finish off an enemy because it's gonna just be healed up in the next battle anyway are they um, like are they like uh are those attacks or actions like enhanced because you're in that state now or are they I, just the exact same thing i don't think so i think it's just they might be a little bit like more powerful or potent or whatever but i not it wasn't that significant hmm. it was mostly just where where you're spending comes from is it your ap pool or your hp um and then i guess uh the final thing to mention is you might have also seen in trailers or screenshots or whatever, each character, each of the main characters has a special attack, and they call this slash beat mode, uh, where basically it's like a rhythm, it's like a rhythm mini game where you have these, you have a music theme that plays, and you have these icons that appear on the screen, and you can basically, if you have good rhythm and you can time up uh, when they hit their little nodes, uh, you can basically perform a, a super attack is basically what it is. But you were playing this on the PlayStation TV, right? Or was it just you know, on the actual VR yeah, handheld? Yeah, I, I played it. Well, I played it mostly on the TV because I was capturing some footage of it. Um, but you, uh, I played it on the handheld as well. It's 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 button pressing, so it doesn't have any touchscreen stuff. Um, okay. I, I was kind of confused at first because I would. Um, you can do different abilities when you're in this state. Like, uh, you can do regular attacks. You can do um, attacks that are good against undead. Uh, or things like that. Um, the first time I did it, uh, the button I was pressing actually was related to a character's defending skill, which doesn't work. So I was pressing the wrong button because you can't use the defend skill in this mode. So I was like, what am I doing wrong? Uh, yeah, I, I recall that now. And then it's like, are you sure? Are you sure that yeah. you're doing it right? <laughs> like, yeah. that, I, was like pressing, I, was, I was pressing the button and it wasn't working. I'm like, what, is, what, am I going, what am I doing wrong? And then it was just because <laughs> what I was doing was pressing what was the guard button. Um, anyway, uh, so I guess that's one thing to mention. And this isn't too unusual, but um, the, the person who uh, com composed the music for all of these uh, experience games, it's always been the same guy for Demon Gaze, Operation Abyss, Stranger Sword City, and this. I don't recall his name, actually, off the top of my head. Um, but Ray Gigant has the best soundtrack out of any of the games. 
Um, and one thing that's, you know, not too unexpected, but kind of neat about it is each of the main characters kind of has a, a style that attributes to them. Uh, for instance, Ichia is like a jazz type style. So lots of saxophone, lots of brass, kind of loud. And that, of course, fits his character a little bit. He's a very emotional character, kind of, you know, behaves, you know, not rationally all the time, just kind of doing what he feels like is uh, what he should be doing. Uh, so I think that kind of fit like the jazz nature of him. Um, so when you do his slash beat, his mini game, it's like a jazz theme that comes on that when he does that, where Kyle, his music, he's is more like techno. It's a little bit more sterile, uh, like chimes and bells and uh, not very, not very much like brass or string instrumentation. But and Kyle is also more like the serious type. He's kind of you know in in control of his emotions and he's uh, in charge of things. Um, so his slash beat theme when you're doing his you know bonus attack fits that as well. So that was just kind of a neat little thing the game did. But the soundtrack itself just has a lot of style, a lot of variety, and it's definitely out of the four experience games that I've heard from this composer, it's definitely the strongest one. Oh, that's good to hear. Cool. Yeah. We're going to be playing the same thing. You said it was kind of repetitive, so if you have to put up with it, might as well get some good music. Yeah. So I was, I was talking about all the different battle. Um, elements it's you know it has a lot of kind of weird you know wrenches in there unfortunately i kind of feel like there all those elements to the battle system are kind of watered down because the game is really not difficult at all most combat situations you can just kind of mash attack with like the most basic of healing you know strategy and you win um and then also like the slash beat mode itself is pretty overpowered the first several bosses in each person's uh section of the game if you do a slash beat mode, you're going to probably kill them in one super attack. <laughs> nice. Or get them down to like 20% left health. And so it's, um, yeah, the game is really, really very simple, um, very easy. And I think that did water down some of these, you know, kind of unique elements in the battle system. So there's that's no difficulty that was... selections either in it? No, there's not. So, oh. Um, oh, wow. so. I guess one other thing, um, so this is a dungeon crawler, just like the other experience games. And while this game does kind of ramp up the visual novel elements, it kind of uh, tones down, you know, difficulty spikes and challenge and things like that. One sure. thing it does not slouch on is dungeon design. There are, are a lot of um, switch puzzles, slide puzzles, one-way paths, you know, locked doors, uh, things like that. Um, then there are a couple of places later on in the game where you don't get a mini map. So you're kind of just, um, looking, you're only able to see, uh, what you have in front of you, you know, uh, and trying to remember, you know, do I turn left? Do I turn right? Um, and there's like no auto mapping at all of it. Like in those dungeons, it's just yeah, you got to go by the instinct and memorization. Well, how it works is there is an auto mapping, but it doesn't show you where you are. So when you're kind of first going through the floor, you can kind of tell where you are because it's, you know, you can see the map starting to form in that region. But once you've kind of mapped out the area and are trying to uh, uh, figure out that floor's puzzle or whatever, because this isn't the end of the game, so the floors are actually get pretty complicated there, then you might start losing track of where you are exactly. Um, and then there's other things like warp puzzles uh, where you step on a floor and if you're not paying attention to your map, you would never even notice that you warp to a different location. Oh, that's yeah. like uh, Operation Abyss, so. kind of like that. Uh, I, the game that did that, uh, just a little bit of an aside, the game that did that with the highest level of 
craziness, I guess, uh, is Elman Age Gothic, which I reviewed a couple of years ago, where you're warping all over the place and you never know where you are. Anyways, <laughs> the Elman Age games out of the out of the dungeon crawlers I played are by far the most like in a sense hardcore. Um, so this is definitely nothing like that. But I would say that the dungeon crawling aspects of this title in some regards are actually stronger than like stranger of sword city or operation abyss or demon gaze. Um, they definitely do not slouch on that front. So, uh, there are a lot of things that they throw at you for those. Um, so, so yeah, that seems like, yeah, would you say this a good like gateway for people who aren't like in really into dungeon cards that always wanted to give them a shot, but were always kind of turned off by the like general difficulty of dungeon crawlers, like say like Etrian Odyssey and the other experience games, you know, they have, certainly do have like a, a heightened difficulty level, uh, relatively speaking. Do you think there's a good like gateway for those to introduce them into that? I would I would say so. Um, uh, because even though the battle system isn't like typical, so it does take a little bit of getting used to uh, some of the unique elements of it. Because the game isn't very challenging in general, it's not frustrating to learn it or get used to it. Um, and the story, like I said, is for the most part, it's it's actually compelling in its own right to keep you playing. Um, and so it's I I do think that in some regards it is something that if you're not a fan of dungeon crawlers, you don't like the difficulty spikes, you don't like grinding, uh, you don't like having to having full control of creating classes and things. It's definitely uh, worth considering uh, as a good intro to the genre. Good. Awesome. And I, sorry, I guess the last thing to mention is, and this is, I think this kind of goes along with that this game does feel streamlined uh, in general mm-hmm. and kind of in tune with that. The game is, I think Zach mentioned this because he was proofreading my review before I put that up. The game is a little bit repetitive yeah. uh, in general. Uh, where in like Stranger of Sword City or in the other dungeon crawlers, there's a point in each of those games where, you know, it kind of opens up and you can kind of select where do you want to go? Which dungeon do you want to explore? Um, and where do you, uh, you know, sometimes just like which monster in, in Stranger Sword City is like which lineage type do you want to try to track down? Or in Operation Abyss, which variant do you want to track down? Operation Abyss has side quests uh, and things like that. Uh, sometimes you might go to a dungeon, not because you're trying to do a side quest, but you're just trying to find equipment or something like that. Uh, Stranger or Ragegant is much more streamlined where you only have one place to go at any given time to do one task at any given time. You are kind of on train tracks. You can only go in one direction to do that. And what the general structure of the game is basically uh, you do a dungeon to have these characters find what they call in game a marker. And these markers kind of tell you this is where the next gigant's going to show up, generally. Uh, and then you go to another dungeon to take on the gigant. And then there's some story scenes. And then you kind of do it again. You go to a dungeon, you find a marker. Then you go to another dungeon, you fight a gigant. And you probably do that like 12, 15 times throughout the game. Um, so it, it does kind of get a little bit repetitive. That Even though the dungeons themselves are different, the kind of the structure is the same throughout the game. And you don't really have any control over what you're doing. But I think that kind of falls in line with this visual novel type style. Sure. Um, so it's just kind of like it's just the storyline is a vehicle for the gameplay more so in this case. So while that was a little bit disappointing, I don't really fault the game for doing that because it kind of fits what the game is trying to be. But otherwise, 
I found a lot to like in the game, even though there were a couple of things that soured me on it. So it's it's definitely worth checking out as long as you're not like totally adverse to uh, dungeon crawlers or like the first person view and all that. So, I cool. great, yeah. Um, if anything, Demon Gaze was a very fun game as well. If you're into that style genre, so you can check that out as well. It's obviously going to be cheaper to find than a brand new game that just came out. So otherwise, you can check out the review for Rage Gaunt up on our site, RPGSite.net, from Adam. Thank you very much for talking to us about that game. It's kind of weird too because they haven't actually like announced a price for this. So it's like, is it going to be thirty dollars? Is it going to be forty dollars? Are you sure? It's like going to nope. be out next, like this week. It's, it's it's out like on Monday, I think, or by probably, maybe by maybe by the time this podcast is posted, or uh, May third. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. I was going to say Monday. What are you talking about Monday? Oh, like how I'm looking it up, and yeah, it's just is it digital only? It's, oh yes, it is digital. Yeah, it's only. digital only. Yes. Oh, that's right. I, I imagine. I imagine it'll be forty. It's gonna be forty. It's gotta most. be forty. It's yeah. gotta be in line with everything else that they do. So I would not be surprised, especially because people expect that price. All right, great. So, um, moving right along, um, I've been playing a game that recently had an alpha that came out. Um, I was checking it out like yesterday too. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, it's only for a limited time. It's going to be up until May 5th and then they're going to shut it down until they get the game out. Uh, Neo. Now, this is a game that's been in development. Well, it's, it was announced like in 2004. Was, yeah, 2004. Before the PS3 came out. Easily. Yeah, it was, it, was yeah. 2000, it was 2004 um, that when it was initially announced, it was, yeah, before, it was when the PlayStation 3 uh, was actually not, was it was kind of talked about. Um, it was actually more like the 360 uh, was talked about at that time because PlayStation People 3 are talking was, about FF15 getting delayed forever. That's that was in 2004. That was later. I, um, I, I know, but they, they they don't know anything about Neo. No, Neo. It's, <laughs> it was just it was quietly announced and then went away and then like six and years no went by or whatever and then they bought it up again. Um, but yeah, it's basically a. Dark Souls meets Onimusha is kind of the way people are part in it, um, which isn't too far off. It's more uh, actiony than a Dark Souls game can be. Uh, it gets more like there's the the time between uh, combat is closer together than it is like in a in a Souls game. So it's it's you're kind of always on edge. You're it's pretty intense kind of game. The, the uh, interface is very similar as well. Exactly. It's a game that you can't pause. So you have to find a quiet area and pull up that menu if you need to equip something or get an item on a shortcut or whatever the case may be. Um, but it's, yeah, it's definitely more of a Souls game than anything. It's got the same type of thing where people can um, co-op. Uh, you can you can have people join in your game and play a co-op cooperatively uh, and they're yellow. And so it's it's they have like this yellow outline. Even if you're playing the person joining the game, you have like a yellow outline. Uh, my experience with that whole genre is uh, just Dark Souls 2 and Lords of the Fallen, uh, Lords of Fallen. And so I don't have a lot of um, uh, knowledge about those games, really, uh, outside of what I played. And I'm not one to absorb the lore too much. It's more just like, I'll play it, and if I get something, it's great. But the story itself, uh, since it's an alpha, there's not really much there to begin with. Um, but they do kind of set it up where it's you're supposed to be playing this guy, William Adams, which is... Uh, it looks like Geralt, dude. Yeah, it's a blonde-haired samurai, <laughs> uh, son of a... It's more white-haired, like, isn't it? It's It's like a... 
it's blonde. It's just that the oh, dark, it's the shadows. They I, have a they I, show they show his picture um in the middle of like loading screens and stuff like that. And he, I do re- I do I do remember when they first announced this or re-announced this game, like people were comparing him to Geralt from Witcher. <laughs> it it totally looks like him when he steps he, he steps off the boat and he gets out. You're like, okay, what what game am I playing again? I've got to check the disc, um, or check my menu. So yeah, it's it's William Adams. Uh, it, it's will his name is William, but he's based on William Adams, who, which was an actual person. Um, I think he was like a son of a Japanese lord and uh, a western uh, like a European woman or something uh, and it was set during the uh, Edo period which I think it's like not seven, 17th century something like that uh, so they do have a little bit of flavor text in there a little context for you to experience they don't really talk too much about the fact that there's demons uh, there's like zombies and eh, uh, these, just another day in the world of Neo <laughs> yeah these giant like devil uh, looking creatures but um, for the most part it's a very challenging game um, at least at the start of it so as soon as you get off the boat you come across a shrine and that places the shrine is kind of like your bonfire where uh, you are able to level up uh, and also um, provide offerings which is more like just giving away any items and equipment you picked up just to get more souls kind of thing uh, to level up even further sorry it's Amrita Amrita, uh, yes, that's what they call it. I, I, I kept calling it that even if I knew the name of it. I'm just going to call it cool. Souls because people it know what it is. <laughs> yeah, Amrita. That game has got a lot of weird localization uh, issues. Like I think they announced like the Yumi Lombo and the Mosaki Axe and the um, Omamari Amulet. And they all mean the same thing. It's like saying oh, Omari AT- Charm. Yeah, Omari Charm. Yeah. It's, it's like ATM machine. It's literally they're saying the same thing. Like <laughs> next, uh, uh, as soon as I read that, I was like, I know what these words are. What are they doing? Uh, it's supposed to make it sound. It's, cool. it's obviously the adjective of them. Come on now, that's yeah. how Japanese words. Oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> it's like they want, they want to make it sound cool. Uh, it's like no, they're kind of surprised. Really you, right I'm kind of surprised. Like the very first weapon you get, you get. I'm kind of surprised that they call it Katana Curve Sword or something. Oh my God, it was. It it was bizarre so but the it, it's it's more I, I feel like it's more accessible than the souls games were so obviously at the start you have to be super careful um and just like the souls games you can only really deal with one enemy at a time and so if you have more than one and they rush after you it's going to be a lot harder um what i like about this game as compared to like lords of the fallen is that in lords of the fallen it's a lot more like every area is more narrow and way more it's like you're you're dealing with like claustrophobia all the time because like the sections that you're in, you're like I can't get around this guy unless I kill him. In this game, you can kind of run around them and try to make some space or pick up the your corpse that has your emerita inside of it. Um, you get to keep all the um, equipment and stuff like that that you pick up, which is dropped by chests and bodies and things like that. You can even get like a, a guardian spirit that's with you that um, enhances certain things, such as the amount of emerita you pick up. Or it's kind of like Tokiden in that sense, like the guardian spirits. It kind of gave me Tokiden vibes, not necessarily a little. Yeah, it's yeah. it's actually yeah, it's it's actually a good comparison to make because they are like mostly they're there just to. Um, boost your stats but then there's also things like skills Uh, I made the mistake when I was playing that game at the beginning I was leveling up 
I was th- I was thinking that you know as soon as you level you get like a point to go into skills kind of like your typical RPG. In this, uh-huh. it's more like the more you use a sword or a spear or an axe or a hammer, which are the different weapons, um, you can uh, increase the number of points you have, and then you can go to skills and unlock things such as like more flashy combos, uh, more damage that you deal, things like that. And so by the time I was um, ready to go after the mission boss in this game, I was like level thirty. Uh, and I had way leveled up uh, skills and stuff like that. So uh, suddenly it wasn't an, an issue at all to fight all these different enemies that were coming after me. It was it was kind of kind of a cakewalk at, at some point. The mission boss is su- is very difficult. Um, even if you're by yourself, it's way harder. And so I posted uh, gameplay footage of the game on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash RPG net. And I had to have somebody come into my game to help me with it because it was going to be impossible to get that way until the end because the only downside is that since it is, I don't know if it's the alpha or the connectivity issues, but I had a guy helping me and the boss was glitching all over the place. Like he would, oh, like, he was like, he was like, he would suddenly jump from one side of the map to the other. And it's like, it's like a very closed area as a boss fight, what you'd expect it to be. So like I was having a difficult time trying to, read his moves before he would do them um but you know I'm, I'm sure you could beat the boss no problem if you are very patient and can understand the tells that the boss has given you because it's a lot of them it's pretty obvious like okay he's gonna walk over to this giant um like steel ball he's gonna pick it up and throw, throw it at me it's very obvious when he's gonna go do that sometimes though it's like he's getting close to the end of his health and you just want to kill him and mm-hmm. so it, 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 that definitely reminds me of dark souls um Soul-y. yeah where you you have to be patient and if you're impatient even for a second it can ruin you oh totally and the problem is, is that like um so you can pick up your your health is um elixirs um and you you can get three and the three hours will replenish if you go to the shrine of which there's only like a few shrines that you can go to but you can always run back and just like the bonfire in dark souls as soon as you go to a shrine uh, all the enemies come back they resurrect um, any ones that you killed but you can unlock like shortcuts and things like that to get straight to the boss if you need to so it's not even a big deal if you just want to uh, make sure you're all topped off with the levels and stuff like that but um you can get up to 10 elixirs to carry around with you so it's 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 and it the good news is is that unlike souls uh in neo the health replenishes immediately so you don't have to watch the bar drain or go up or something like that it's like it's immediately this is the amount of health you're going to get uh so that's that's very nice i mean uh i mean that's only a dark souls 2 thing because you only uh played uh dark souls 2 the dark souls 2 had like this uh system and i forgot what they're called these little shards that only uh, replenish yeah gems replenish your health uh, you know, uh, slowly, uh, like you have Estus Flask in the, in the Estus Flask, that's, that's true, yeah. but like Estus Flask, you only get like three, right? Like that's yeah, that's yeah. your max. So in, in this, you get ten. Initially, so yeah. That's yeah. immediately that makes it easier than a Souls game can be, or at least it's like it's always this illusion. Like the Souls games probably aren't even that challenging. It's more about being patient and taking your time and making sure your guard is always up. Um, and not trying to pull in more than one enemy at a time. And that's pretty much what it is here. Like you have ways to draw one enemy at a time. It reminds me of like playing Final Fantasy XI and like being the, um, the ranger and like using 
shooting one enemy just with a uh, with an arrow and just pulling one enemy at a time, not the whole group that's in part of this camp that I'm we're coming up on. So it's it's being really patient like that. Um, the thing with Dark Souls Two is that I was mostly using magic, so it wasn't even that game was a lot easier um, yeah. because I was doing that just using um, my soul arrow all the time. But in Neo, um, a lot of people are complaining and stuff like that like there's ways to deal with a lot of the difficulty in that game like oh, yeah, switch sure. it to a low a... stance to defeat the zombies on the ground that kind of thing yeah it's a it's definitely a sort of uh like a trial and error like it's like learning how to ride a bike totally essentially in in the fact that you can um you don't have to deal with the dark souls penalty of having like half your health like permanent uh permanently dropped until you pick up your corpse or whatever it is um in this you just Everything's back to normal. The only thing you're missing, at least in the alpha, they could totally change it if they wanted to. Um, the only thing you lose is your Emerita and your Guardian Spirit um, that gave you that boost. And so you have to run over and find it and pick it up. The only real time that's a problem is like if you lost it at a boss fight. So you're like, okay, well, I have to face the boss. And you can't escape the boss fight until you're dead or you're beat it. So. But it's a very chunky alpha too. Like I thought that when I beat the first quote-unquote boss i was going to be done with it but no it moves into this whole new area um it's not a very big game i should say it's it's actually kind of like small areas kind of connected together um with uh the hub there's no real hub it's like you go to when you when you beat the boss finally beat the boss um for one thing you get a dlc mark of the conqueror i think it's called which carries over to the main game and so if you're hearing this it's not may 5th you should really beat that if you intend to play the actual game because uh they haven't really said what that's going to do but who knows maybe it's i hope it's more than just something sparkly on your person because like you, a lot of people it's, it's, not play it's it. black feather wings coming out of your guy <laughs> yeah it's totally awesome um <laughs> i hope that's not the case but when you beat the boss it goes to an overworld map which is just a bunch of like pictures on on a map that you can go to like you can go back to the old mission. You can go to a new mission. I mean, the DLC, that's the only thing that's really the benefit of playing this other than just the experience of it. Um, and then there's a shrine, but it's just it pulls up the shrine menu. So there's no like town or NPC center or anything like that that you, you can visit. It's just straight up like mission-based gameplay, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just makes me think like how many missions are in this game, how big is it, uh, and things like that. The thing I liked about like Tokiden, because um, you brought it up, is that you go off on these missions, but like Monster Hunter, you can come back to town and get to learn, get to meet all these people and um, these other NPCs. There's no, you get all this money, uh, but the only real way to use that money is changing the, because um, these shrines have like these little spirits as well that give you benefits that give you like certain boosts to like certain things such as bigger attack or bigger emirated drop or something like that um and it costs a hundred gold a hundred gold each to switch to them but that's it like there's nothing else so clearly that whole thing it probably isn't implemented yet um but yeah that's that was my experience with the neo alpha it's really fun i've got like a two-hour video up on our youtube channel you can check it out um I yeah. cut it down from like nine hours. So, <laughs> my, yeah, my experience with the Neo Alpha is uh, kind of along your lines, but I think it's really interesting, and I think it's uh, really 
uh, smart idea to release this alpha demo to the public because it gives us an insight of like what they're going for. Uh, because for the long time, didn't, people didn't know what Neo was going to be. We we had no idea all these years. Just like it was like, hey, that was a one CG teaser thing. Yeah. So. I think it was a great idea to really pull inspiration from the Souls series, and but really tweak it up and make it its own identity. For example, like the stance system is is really great for each weapon that you get, axes, spears, uh, and your katana. Uh, each have like their high stance, middle stance, low stance, and how you implement these in battle is quite uh, weird at first. But once you start understanding, like, hey, each of these stances deal with your uh, stamina management because when your your stamina uh, goes uh, out, like, you're very vulnerable because he actually takes like a two to three second like uh, animation, like uh, catches breath again, and that's yeah. fatal in this game. And but after each and every attack, though, like, there's like you can press R1 when like a little particle effect goes around it to like regain his posture, so you uh, like sidestep that do you prevent that from happening so yeah. it's very it's very much you know it's very meticulous and it requires a quite a bit of finesse to to get it down but once you pull pull off you know going into this group and then trying to figure out how to survive by properly managing your stamina it's really quite worrying it's like okay like my biggest fear is not necessarily how much my how much health is drained from me it's like uh, did I manage my, my stamina properly in this encounter? Because what I learned now, I have to implement it later on for sure. Oh yeah, totally. It's it's all about risk management and all that. Like um, being able to handle a lot of people, and it feels like it's got that same um, sense of accomplishment when you are able to be surrounded by like three or four guys that happen to show up at once, and you're able to survive that fight. It feels great because at the beginning, it only takes like one or two hits, and oh, yeah. there's like area damage too. Like if you get hit in the front, it's different than when you get hit in the back. Right. Uh, so there's always that, but it's just it's it's a it's a game that it starts off being pretty overwhelming at times, uh, and then as soon as you start leveling up. Getting better equipment, in which there's a ton of weapons yeah. and so. Uh, and, there's uh, even a rarity system, like a like a loot system. <laughs> yeah, yellow, blue, purple. It's got that whole thing there, and it feels great just like going through all that and trying to get a grasp about like what I need to benefit from. It's got that same weight management system, so you have to be careful, like in the Souls games, where it's like, okay, this stuff has got Take better uh, uh, defense multiplier, but it's going to mean I'm going to be way I'm going to be weighed down by that, so I can't escape from a fight if I need to. So. Yeah. Yeah, like I was, have my dashes like way more un, unsafe. Yeah, totally. And the stances have their own like dodge mechanic as well. Like if you've got a high stance, you immediately like roll if you do a dodge. Otherwise, if you have a sword, it does like a little dash and then a dodge if you need to hit X again. Yeah, I think what saved my life was like early on, uh, I got the the skill that when you're in the middle stance of the katana, if you properly time like how you guard, uh, it'll just swing them around you. So you parry in a way that like you go around them. It's it's really nice, and I had uh, a, a good amount of fun with it. From a coming from a person that doesn't really get into those games and didn't think that I could handle them, just because of the uh, how impatient I can be, it was fun. And um, with all the mechanics and, like I said, all the equipment that you get, it can be um, very fun to play. And so I would highly recommend checking out more of that game. Um, 
But that's about yeah. it for the Neo Alpha. Once One final it's... note about it, though. Yeah. The, I, th- I thought it was really interesting how they have this movie mode and action mode for that alpha demo. That's right. So what they have is that you can either um, emphasize the stability of the game or the look of the game. So it's that it can go from being... you can It actually means it has an effect on both the resolution and the frame rate. So it's the difference between having 1080p, 30 frames per second... Or if you want, you can turn it differently and have it be 720p, but at 60 frames per second. Um, I think I emphasize more the uh, stability because I'm not, I don't care much about graphics anyway. Yeah, same here. I have an action mode all the way. Yeah, because 60 frames is, it, it doesn't seem like a, a big difference. It is. It's a huge difference. Going up playing like PlayStation 2 games at 60 frames all the time um, makes a huge difference, especially like in a game like this where things are popping off left and right all the time and you want to have something like just exciting yeah, the, to watch. And the, t- the timing is definitely uh, important. It's a great looking game too, so that yeah. helps. Um, but hopefully they'll have more to show off. A lot of the environments felt kind of samey, but once again, it's this certain period. I don't know if it's all nighttime, so I wonder if they're going to have some more like daylight locations. I kind of hope so, because that was so. kind of cool about the Souls games is that they were varied like that. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, so. very, very uh, have a very positive first impression on that whole thing. Yeah, and it's because it's it's unannounced, but it's a worldwide release. Of course, they have a survey people who play the alpha can check out. I don't know the thing I just talked about, like the map. Who knows if that's just a placeholder or if it's going to be the actual thing? But I guess we'll find out. Um, just because we don't know when that game's actually going to be out, it could easily be like late this year, early next year delayed even further because of alpha reasons who knows um maybe they'll put out a beta but we'll find out so once again um like i said you can check out footage that we posted about that um but yeah that's it for the neo alpha and finally we've got josh who has he swore swore off uh mobages not that long ago mobages Fate, what? not MOBA gaze. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you said you weren't playing like Freak Ground Order and all those games, and then suddenly you get roped up into a new one. Uh, Be- before we get into that... <laughs> no, I don't think... I think we should go straight in. What's up? Uh, all right, fine. We'll get straight into it. Yeah, so... yeah. what's this about? It's the game <laughs> okay. that everyone was upset uh, about as soon as it was announced. Oh, my god! You seem to be uh, head over heels for it. What's it? What's this Okay, game? all right, so... A few weeks back, I want to say maybe about three weeks ago, all of a sudden, Screening is like, hey, we heard Valkyrie Profile still cool, right? I'm like, what are you talking about, Screening? It's like, you you want more Valkyrie Profile? I'm like, I love Valkyrie Profile. How did you know? It's like, what Don't if we so told well. you if we're making a new one for iOS and Android? I'm like, I don't know about Screening. Like, you can't do this to me. Like, mm, I'm not really big into mobile games. I, you were. <laughs> uh, like, I... I, I I told everyone I was I was doing mobile games, okay? I, I couldn't deal with Pad. I couldn't deal with Fake Grand Order. Grand Blue Fantasy just looks like a freaking nightmare. And I just, I don't know about mobile games, Square Enix. It's like, okay, look, well, well, Josh, it's okay. Just give it a try. It's like they were talking directly to you. I'm like, okay, okay, Square Enix. I, I'll give it a shot because of Valkyrie Profile. And I'm secretly a huge nerd for Valkyrie Profile. So uh, about earlier this week... Uh, before the service went up for it in Japan, uh, they had like this early access thing that only had the prologue to it. So I, I gave that a shot. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, it, ha- it has a pretty lengthy intro. Uh, so I was like, okay. Like uh, a tutorial I, I kinda, or an actual kinda, intro? Like they had the intro segment, like the intro to the storyline, and then the tutorial to it, and then it closed off before oh. the actual service. 
Okay. Like you got your you got up to like the first three low rolls on the gacha, and I'll go into that for a little bit. Uh, so I was like, I I don't know. So basically, what we're talking about is Valkyrie Anatomia, the origin, and in the context of things, this set before Valkyrie Profile One, I think yeah. it's a few hundred, maybe thousand years out before it. It focuses on the origin of well, the Valkyrie. And Man, the uh, fact that this is a mobile game and it's this uh, important, I'm sure that's even more. Weird. That's the thing. Like the best part about this game is it's it's writing, it's plot, and I freaking wish there will be an English version of this because like the story behind this is great. So the context of this all it's 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 during Hell's invasion of Asgard that you know brought the nine realms into uh, this chaotic state. Yeah. Uh, and so this pushes Odin to undo the seal on the Valkyrie, you know, to, ga- uh, to gather the Einhariar for the sake of Valhalla. So this is. Uh, split into chapters so far uh, and involves, you know, Lenneth being drawn to the soul of an indiv- individual that meets their point of death, very much like the first Valkyrie profile. A lot of this oozes about, like the first Valkyrie profile. If you weren't big on Silmeria or even Covenant of the Plume, this is definitely a Valkyrie profile one structure and design just in the framework of a mobile game, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so... In these chapters, it goes to an introductory segment, kind of introducing you this the Einhariar that you're gonna meet, and their whole story arc. This can go. I'm not gonna go too much into their plot lines because pe- people who are listening who want to give this a shot, I don't want to spoil anything for them. Sure. Um, goes into the introductory about you know the people they meet and who's involved. Then you have this gameplay segment, which I'll talk about in a little bit, and then a more story segment that really fleshes out and uh, moves along the plot of that Einhariar. Um, so you get, but the just like in Valkyrie Profile One, you these events unfold from the eyes of Lenneth herself. So she provides her insight, her feelings, her thoughts on what's going on as she's watching uh, the current struggles of this individual. And what I really uh, like about this, how these scenarios play out, uh, Valkyrie Profile One style, is you get to experience like the stories of each party member. Unlike Silmaria, Silmaria, the Einhari are in it. Kind of felt half-assed you know I, I really like the gameplay segments of valkyrie profile 2 i just feel like the the plot line didn't really measure up in my opinion to the first uh valkyrie profile sure. so you see the during the story states einhariar you get to see you know, the the characters the setting uh concepts being introduced you're seeing different people from different occupations to different locations different factions it's building this whole world and yeah, Valkyrie Profile, the first one, had that vignette style where you're yes. kind of seeing, you know, they're like miniature stories of this world of different characters. And just like Josh said, Valkyrie Profile 2, it kind of kept the gameplay mechanic of it, but throughout what, you know, the actual interesting part of it, I guess, the stories of the characters. So, yeah. And after the first uh, two Einhariar that you meet, it, it kind of opens up a little bit. And I'm not going to say to what exactly. Uh, but there's this uh, thing about the Twilight of the Gods, and it goes in more to uh, details how you know how gods were, are mortal. But since they don't, they don't die, they rather reincarnate into the human realm. Uh, so you have to start uh, searching for these gods that have lost their memories because of that when they reincarnated. And that, that's where I'll keep it at the story section of it. If people are really, if people can un- obviously can read Japanese to a certain extent. I highly recommend that like you give Valkyrie Anatomia a shot for just for the writing alone because I think this one of the best fully fleshed out like 
plots in a MOBA game. Like you can clearly tell a lot of effort and thought went into crafting uh, the ta- the tales of these Einhariar. Um, and to the gameplay segment, uh, gameplay is very much like the first Valkyrie profile. Obviously, it's a, it's on a two-dimensional plane. The the character models, models themselves seem to be uh, from Valkyrie Profile Two, uh, like that engine, like the 3D style. Uh, most of the enemies are actually Valkyrie Profile Two enemies. Uh, and... Oh, so just they just ripped the assets from that, or, <laughs> or yeah, just, for like, the design? enemies. Uh, the, the, the enemies so far uh, seem to be straight from Valkyrie Profile Two. <laughs> oh, geez, okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's gonna. Um, that's from, way to cut from, corners. Like, like, it doesn't matter yeah. really, because like yeah. if it's the same world. But so instead of like the each face button obviously corresponding to a character like in a diamond uh, shape, just like the PlayStation controller, it's all laid out horizontally uh, down at the bottom. Uh, so you tap on a character, they attack. Uh, each character has up to three attacks, except spellcasters. Uh, they only have two. Uh, and then you can mix and match them to link combos. You saw that uh, familiar soul crush gauge down at the uh, 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 below, yeah, the left corner of it. And so you can stock those up uh, just like in the original to uh, earn special attacks. And of course, you have Leneth doing her nibble lung Velesti. Uh, fans who, are, who want uh, old Leneth back because right uh, right now they have a new redesign of Leneth in this game, uh, voiced by Miyuki Sawashiro. But for fans who don't want that, there's currently an event going on where you can uh, get uh, the Klanet, classic Leneth design, who was uh, voiced by the original Seiyu, Yumi Toma, uh, as a playable character instead. And then the difference between them is the new Leneth right now is a, a, a longsword user, while the classic Leneth is the bow user. So uh, anyone who wants uh, more <laughs> more callbacks to Valkyrie Profile One, feel free to jump in on that. And so it's for the fans, apparently, it's for the fans, of course. I feel I feel like I, I it's 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 being fair to me so far. Um, so as you're linking attacks, uh, you can also activate uh, a person's skills that instead of uh, attacking with their weapon. So skills could be healing or uh, doing an AOE attack. Um, could be just a, a magic attack like a lightning bolt. As for the MOBA gay elements itself, uh, there's the the gacha isn't for Einhariar or characters. Uh, it's just for weapons only at the moment. Uh, so you're uh, rolling for better weapons, and of course, in uh, MOBA gay style, you can uh, upgrade these weapons. There's a rarity system uh, attached to these up to like six stars, I believe, and uh, that seems to be insane. So it's uh, all the same characters, right? Like the the cast never changes. I mean, that sounds like it'd be very helpful for like story reasons, so you don't have to like. Uh, Leneth, uh, Leneth, right now is the only one uh, that's yeah. like the the familiar one. But the Einhariar, right? That was how you got Leneth. Um, no, but they actually changed it. I guess oh. from feedback, the they changed the pre-registration. You before the pre-registration bonus was getting classic Leneth. Yeah. But I guess somehow I don't know if it was last minute or something. They got feedback, and then they instead of making that a pre-registration bonus, she's just an event character. I don't know how long that event's going, but it's just <laughs> she'll cleaning a stage. Yeah, I'm sure she'll. And then back and then you'll get her. It, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, right now it doesn't seem like there's there was much benefit to pre-registering then. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I don't know. I don't Seems know. Some weird people do that anyway. So. The. As for the the dungeons themselves, I think my biggest problem with this game at this moment is that how I was explaining earlier, there's an introductory segment, gameplay segment, and story segment and chapters. The gameplay segment part of it doesn't really mesh well contextually what's going on because you're seeing the story and then you go into a, you're traveling through this field or dungeon. Like how it's set up is basically there's like these floating platforms 
that are linked by staircases. So ap moving around in a dungeon uh, consumes AP. Uh, it starts off with one AP, and then eventually goes into two AP. Oh, it's got a stamina um, system. No. Oh. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a little bit. Sure. So you go, you go into these, uh, like traveling around these, uh, consuming AP, and then sometimes, sometimes you'll uh, find a treasure chest on that, or sometimes you'll stumble into an enemy. And then the so far the objective of these stages have been just to get to the the boss of these stages, and um, you can beat them, and then you you've completed it. Um, but the there are branching paths in it, so if you choose to go to every single place on it, obviously it consumes more AP. Uh, you'll get a completion bonus of that map, so you get extra crystals. Normally, the reward for uh, a map is the 50 crystals, but if you complete that map, like actually visit every single one of these platforms, you'll get an extra 50 crystals on it. So, and to contextualize this, the crystals are basically the your money, your funny money. Uh, in that game, it for a roll in the gacha, it's 500. For a for an 11, a 10 plus one, an 11 roll, so you get a, a bonus one out of it is uh, 5,000 crystals. Oh. And then they're yeah, they're they're kind of I haven't felt any need to spend money so far, thankfully, <laughs> on this. Yeah, it's a little uh, early to be talking about that yeah. anyway. Like if you exactly. were actually thinking about like, man, you really are getting deep into it. <laughs> no, no. Jeez. I, but I know, I know several people who are. Oh my um, gosh, that's yeah. They did really love Valkyrie Profile. I've actually, like, it's weird. I've actually kind of been uh, bouncing off on, on and off ideas of people who are starting to get into this game. And uh, I've been really learning a lot through them about it, too, because there are a lot of interesting quirks to this game. It's very hard to remember all of these. So in the in the field themselves, there's, like, several field actions that you can spend AP on, on top of, like, just traversing. Like, for 8 AP, you can uh, uh, heal your, uh, your party HP. Because in this game, just like in Valkyrie Profile, uh, fashion, you have a party HP. Like each of your party members don't have their own separate HP pools. It's all shared together. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you can uh, choose to heal their HP, not, not only a portion of their HP uh, out in the field. It's a significant portion, though. Or you can uh, spend two AP to do a search, and a search can uh, like basically it's like basically digging in a on a platform. Sometimes you'll uh, dig up an additional treasure chest. Or uh, and a, a tough enemy encounter might appear on that, so you're just basically kind of spending AP to get further rewards or more experience for your, um, for your characters. Hold on. It's getting a little loud uh, out there, isn't it? I know the kids are going insane. I think I should close my window. <laughs> it's going through the window to your window. That's how bad it is. That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, freaking kids, dude. What was I going on about? Searching. Um, Searching, yes. So on top of uh, these two field actions of healing and uh, searching through for better rewards, you can also uh, like uh, open up new staircases because there are some uh, floating platforms that you normally don't have access to that you can just run over. You have to actually search the uh, nearby platform and uh, unlock a new pathway to that if you want the completion bonus of that. So I uh, went through like the adventuring part of it. Like I said, the, the way that you, this links up to the story itself doesn't really make much sense. Like you're going throughout, throughout this field, beating this boss and then the next story segment happens. So I'm not really liking how that meshes into that. It's very, it, like I said, it's working with a mobile game framework in my, in mind. So I guess that can't be helped. Um, onto character customization itself. There's the, on top of like 
the weapon system, when you equip a character with a weapon, all these weapons can be upgraded for expanded capabilities um, by just feeding it other weapons. They, ha they can have a primary weapon and then two sub-weapons. Uh, the, these sub-weapons are more just like boosting their stats even more, but the primary weapon is the one that they're actually using in battle. Um, okay. And then you also have an armor system on it that's like kind of signified by like these stones. And what's interesting about this armor system is that each of these armors can have, one, as for the moment, one or two attributes, uh, color-coded attributes onto them. And then that corresponds to a character's skills. So each character has like three skill bars on them, uh, but they're all color-coded. So let's say like Resist Holy and uh, Calm Down, which is uh, a skill that basically reduces aggro off of a character, so the less likely that they're going to be attacked by the enemy. Um, let's say that Resist Holy is uh, the white attribute and um, Calm Down is a green attribute. So you'd have to feed that this character or have this character equip uh, a gemstone that has the, the white attribute and the green attribute uh, to actually feed into those skills. And then if you get enough of those uh, that color-coded attribute, they'll learn like uh, they'll, they'll have that skill in battle. So let's say I equip two level one uh, armor pieces that have white uh, the white attribute on them they they learn level one uh, resist holy and then down the line you'll have uh, I'm sure higher leveled uh, armor pieces that'll have uh, that'll contribute much greater to that gauge because there's like I think 10 five or ten levels to each skill and I think that's a, that's really cool because it adds more uh, like tactical uh, mindfulness I'd say because I'm getting to this point where uh, you know, like in every MOBA game, it kind of starts off like a breeze, but now I'm getting to like really tough uh, end bosses that like have a lot of uh, HP and then but hit hard. So you have to really uh, time your attacks to make sure that they all hit, and at the same time, uh, make sure that they're also um, d contributing to that soul crush gauge because having that extra bit of damage really helps throughout this battle. Is there any kind of raids or anything like that that the game has, or is it just straight up your party facing this boss character? Um, at the moment, I, I'm not sure because I unlocked this new feature. It's the Seraphic Gate. And from what I was reading on it, it's kind of like a survival item world type of deal where you bring our party into a dungeon and there's no breaks in it. Like I guess you get to like a floor of a dungeon and you beat it, and I assume you go to the next one without any breaks. Well, the Seraphic Gate is like a recurring tri-ace bonus yeah. or post-game dungeon. So yeah, uh, but I'm not sure exactly how how to even access it in this game. Like they showed a tutorial on it, but never showed you how to access it. So it could feed into that. I'm not sure that's actually a raid or something. The, the extent of like the the social aspects of this is like you actually have a follower system. And if you follow back, then that's like your friend. But uh, you activate their uh, support, and then they can either do an attack or a heal or whatever the their essentially their party leader does uh, as their skill. So it, it, I'm not sure exactly if there's a raid system. Um, back to the AP thing that I, you were mentioning, it's very funny how they do this. So there's actually a negative AP system in this game. So you can like in the middle of a dungeon, let's say. You can actually go over like into the negatives. So if you say if you have zero AP, that, that that doesn't mean that you can no longer traverse the dungeon. You you can still traverse it. You just have a debt, let's say a quote unquote debt to uh, to continue playing. But what? That sounds but worse. If, but here's the thing: if you're uh, you only gain rank experience after a dungeon is completed. So 
let's say you're at the cusp of a level up. That means that you can fully explore that dungeon, but make sure to uh, use all those uh, that AP, that spare AP for like searching and like opening up new pathways. And then say like you come out of that dungeon with like negative twenty AP because the only the only penalty you have out of that uh, having no AP during that is like you can't heal and you can't do the searching function. So make sure to you know do the searching earlier on in that dungeon. Is so if you come out of that dungeon like with negative twenty AP, but you rank up. You'll gain all that AP back because you leveled up. Oh, okay. So it's not a big deal then, apparently. It's not, yeah, it's not. It's not a big deal. It's also helpful for like, say, like you're working. So I, I would uh, I would try to accumulate, let's say, like negative thirty or forty AP, and say that I don't have to worry about playing this game now because all that is recharging. It's like uh, three minutes per one AP. So I don't have to worry about playing it for like several hours. You know, because I'm in that negative AP state, and okay, so what? So you can like just stay there until you level up. Is that possible? Um, or can you not even tell? It, I mean, there's a limit. I should say it, there's not really. You can't really grind out because when you defeat a mob on a on a map, you can't. Uh, they don't reappear after a certain amount of time. The only way you're gonna get additional mobs is if you like you search uh, an area and hopefully a mob will show up. Oh, okay. So you are stuck with like whatever is in there that's it and then you have to move on no matter what okay yeah yeah essentially so i thought it was really funny though that like they there is like a negative ap system in this game so it's not actually as bad as like you think it might be at first it's actually uh, like you can have like a a potent grinding spot at the cusp of a level because you have a, you're at the cusp of a level up um anything else i want to mention about this it's it's a surprisingly decent game I have to say it's it's more in depth and more fully realized than I was expecting. Just the fact that they already have a, an event character and an event uh, lined up within the first weekend on this game—that's not been even out a week yet. I, I I'm kind of digging it. I'm really really uh, relieved, I guess, that they were able to still make these kinds of uh, stories and like say and really understand that this is what people loved about the first Valkyrie profile. This is what people this is what people came away with when they think of Valkyrie profile. They think about that battle system and they think about, you know, the tragic tales of these individuals. So you get to know each and every one of your party members and like where they where they come from, where, where who were they before they became your warriors in battle. Sure. I mean it's I'm sure it still stains a bit knowing that it's not going to be on a console or yeah, something like that. But you know, as as long as people can experience it in some fashion, that might be enough. Um, and maybe someday, someday, they'll release I, Valkyrie Profile on the PlayStation Network. I <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, uh, it's a but, sad day when they don't. Yeah, like I said, if you if you can if you know a decent amount of Japanese and you've been really itching for Valkyrie Profile, I suggest you know giving this a shot, giving it a whirl. And I think it is uh, definitely worth it right now just to see these uh, stories and that you know just and of course the the battle tracks are all remixes of uh, past uh, Valkyrie Profile themes. For the fans. All right, for great. The fans. Thanks a lot, Josh, for talking to us about Valkyrie Anatomia. All right, so um, you, it says here you wanted to kind of briefly I, talk about. Yeah, I, I, I want to briefly mention, just not not going into too much detail, uh, just on the site, I provided, you know, uh, a little bit of an insight. The of biggest the RPG that we've ever covered. Yes. Yep. Hey, I guess. Not really. But, uh, Melty Blood Actress Again Current Code came out on Steam about a little bit over a week ago now. I just think it was, to me, it's one of the most surprising localizations probably for this year. 
because you know that game has been out for freaking ever in Japan. And I, I wrote about a little bit about the uh, history, the convoluted history of Melty Blood over in Japan. That's another and, statement. Yeah. If you know uh, anything so, about that series, it's it's yeah, it's been crazy ever since day one, really. Yeah. Um, and to, to know that the community and the publisher are still working uh, well together because the, right now the big uh, outstanding issue in that game is the netcode. The netcode is a big hit or miss depending on the region. And then, of course, there was a, a netcode for the original Japanese PC release of this game uh, that uh, was made by, by a fan uh, who incorporated rollback netcode that was like in Street Fighter V. And then uh, to know that they were gonna, they're going to patch that up, they're going to have that same rollback netcode inside this current release now it just really shows you know just the the tightness of this community and really working to make sure that to deliver the best possible version the best possible fighting experience for fans of this um i just really like the series a lot yeah it probably uh, wouldn't have happened otherwise if they didn't rely on the community so for sure for yeah. sure um and also uh bouncing off of that uh another game that's not really an rpg but has rpg like elements and it is alienation. Sure, uh, we can say it that. It does. It does. Oh, okay. Because uh, it's uh, from House Marquee. It's a twin stick shooter. Just House Mark, by the way. Oh, I thought it was House Mark. Okay, House Mark. It was one E. Yeah. Okay. Um, they've made Super Stardust HD, uh, Resogun, and Resogun's uh, so good. Yeah, I really like Resogun. Crazy game. Uh, this is kind of like a spiritual sequel, but not really to Dead Nation. I wasn't really a big fan of Dead Nation. Dead Nation sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I remember if I, my experience with that game, I did yeah. not like. I didn't like it either. The, thankfully, Alienation, while it kind of has the same similar name, isn't really like Dead Nation. Uh, it's it's be, The premise of it is basically XCOM. Uh, is there an alien invasion? You're, you're fighting to fend it off by like going to these uh, uh, locations on in the world. Uh, real life locations and like you're either taking out like there's infrastructures of theirs or whatever like the the, the main plot isn't really what you're in there for um, so you have these three classes when you first start you have like these heavy this heavy tank class this saboteur and this medic class and each of these classes have their own separate skill trees one for each uh, class has a passive skill tree and while each class has an active skill tree you gain skill points as you level up and uh, the active skill tree uh, pertains to like the, these three skills that you have. Like, say, I'm uh, playing a saboteur. Um, saboteur can uh, has a airstrike, an AOE airstrike ability uh, that uh, annihilates enemies around them. And then when you when you're in contact with another person in the game, you can just this is up to four players uh, online, but they're patching it uh, patching in couch co-op at a future update. Um, so if you touch them with this airstrike ability, that uh, your care, your partners also now have this airstrike AOE aura around them that expands before uh, it's just essentially firing it all down. Um, you can choose to expand that. Uh, you also have this ability that has uh, you can do like a melee ability that's basically an expanded version of it. It's weird, and I forgot the the final one on the uh, saboteur was camouflage, which basically reduce, reduces aggro off of you. Uh, passives are just like uh, like enhancing the your melee abilities, enhancing like your recovery abilities, and this there's this whole system of um, weapon crafting. Uh, so the, in this game, you have loot, and of course everyone loves loot. Rarities: uh, white, green, blue, purple, 
red or orange. I, I love those. Remember. Yes. Yeah, your favorite. Keep going. Um, so on rare loot, they have these slots, and this slot, the these slots can be uh, tuned to a way that you can slot in gems. Uh, gems uh, for damage, gems for clip size, gems for um, re- reload speed. I think I'm trying to remember. And then, but you can craft the higher gems off of them. So, but it's a really basic, uh, easy uh, way because you get these gems, and then if you craft three of those gems, you get to a higher gem. So, say to get to a level three gem, you need uh, you need to craft uh, nine of these uh, level one gems that turn into level two gems, then craft three of those to get a level three gem. Easy enough. Um, and then on these uh, skill, uh, these slots on those guns, they're color coded. So let's say you have, uh, uh, it starts off with like a, a red slot linked to a red slot and a blue slot. So obviously you would put in the red one that uh, pertains to damage into that. And then you would put in another red one into that. So you have these two red slotted ones with red gems into them that since you matched up the colors correctly, the, you'll get gain a better bonus out of it. And then if you slot in like a blue one for the clip size, um, then you get a better uh, a bonus out because you link them, but you won't necessarily get, gain the, the bonus because there is no color-coded nodes linked up to that. Um, hmm. And then uh, I'm like level 16 now, I think. And it's, just, it's, it's a really well-realized shooter. The, it looks very pretty. The volumetric smoke looks great. The explosions look spectacular. It's a, it's a very intense game. It's tough at times. And there's also this weird invasion system. Like, you can go invade another person's game and try oh, and kill man. them. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> I'm about to turn my, like, shut off my internet for a minute so I can enjoy the game without people joining. But Jeez. yeah, but that's, a, that's, a, that's an opt-in thing, though. Like, you can, oh, okay. you can choose to uh, get invaded or not. So that's the nice thing about it. Why would you choose to be invaded, though? That's my... Why, uh, why not for me? Because I enjoy that. I, lo- I like PvP elements in my games. <laughs> It, it's a, it's a blast. I played like four to five hours straight with like uh like two other friends one night, and it's just on the highest difficulty, and that was just a journey. <laughs> I bet, yeah. It's like legendary edition of Halo or something like that. Legendary. Yeah, it's exciting. Great. Great. So that's alienation. Um. So now that we're done with that, we can move right into news. Now we're gonna start with the start with a showstopper. Uh, Nintendo made headlines this past week at their investor meeting that they had um, where they made some big announcements that you think would have been put towards like a Nintendo Direct. Instead, it was very um, investor-focused discussion that they had. They didn't really address address much things outside of that. Just um, what they talked about was that, for one thing, uh, their next console, the NX, that we all knew what was coming, they actually... I guess they're still sticking with that name. They haven't really announced yeah. a more official name than that. What if that's the official name? Is it the official name? No. Uh, no I'm, just, I'm just asking what if. Yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> I would stick with a Nintendo Revolution, actually, is what I would do. Um, but the Nintendo NX, they announced it for March 2017. Um, they talked a, a little bit about why they were doing that. I think one of the things that Nintendo's boss said was that they wanted to make sure that they had all the software. They want to have a strong launch lineup, and so they had to wait until then. Um, some of the other speculation is that because 
of the hardware that they're using. It's going to be so backed up for the holidays with the PlayStation 4K supposedly and the PlayStation VR and whatever you um, that they are, don't have enough to manufacture the amount of consoles Nintendo wants, so they they need a little bit of time. Uh, but that's that was one of the piece of news. The other thing that they announced, and that was about it. Like they didn't really talk much about the NX. They didn't say what it was like the specs or what it's, it it's like. They kind of interesting. It was, yeah, that it was going to be another brand new thing. Well, it's kind of interesting that I think this was actually the very first time they actually like officially um, acknowledged the NX. No, like, Reggie did. He he Reggie said something did. like the NX, and we're going to talk about it in 2016. They said that. that, that I mean, like in, t- in terms of like a press release, like this is the first time that it's oh, like. I think yeah. they announced it with the with the when they would talk about mobile games, like are the next Nintendo consoles coming out next year. I mean, they yeah. If you, if you want more specifics, this is about as vague as that one was. The only thing we got out of it, though, was a release date. Um, and then also, they said that um, at E3, the only playable game that they're going to have is the next Oof. Zelda. And not even the NX version. It's going to be the Wii U version that no one is probably going to buy uh, if they're going to move to the next console anyway. And so, uh, I mean, I, f- I feel like people will still buy the Wii U version. Yeah, but like it's not like the GameCube versus the Wii where it's like using motion controls versus like a normal controller. Like, it's uh, mirrored. Yeah, it's mirrored. <laughs> the left hand, right hand. Uh, the GameCube version was the better version, by the way. Uh, at least to me it was. Um, but yeah, that's going to be the only playable game so either it's going to be like a bunch of like zelda kiosks or so hopefully be, you're like, a zelda one, one or two zelda kiosks then about like 10 just no controller kiosk where you can watch a video like so there's, no nintendo, last year. there's no nintendo games being demoed for the 3ds or like playable demos for them this was just for the well they said it was going to be only zelda so that they can get like all the uh they didn't want to. Was it like something like they didn't want people to like lose the immersion of Zelda? So they want to just have that <laughs> itself. I think they, they made it pretty clear that it was the only playable game. So like no Tokyo Mirage, no uh, Pokemon. No, I, I feel like there has to be. To- I think Tokyo Mirage will be on like on Atlas's end. I would imagine. I don't know, man. It's like right. even they, 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 they just have a playable they, demo at PAX. They, yeah, but that's that's E3. They they care they care a lot less about E3 than they do like PAX. That's now. true. But also like no yes. Paper Mario. Like if this if yeah. this if we're gonna be like specific and if they're saying this is the only Wii U game that's gonna be demoed, uh, Zelda, then that means no Paper Mario. Color. Yeah, it is it is kind of weird. Like so, not talking about the 3DS, but talking about just Wii U or Nintendo console for the rest of 2016. Like after, like Tokyo Mirage Sessions launches this summer. And it's then, like, end of June. It's like after E3. So yeah. And then, so, but like after that, there's Paper Mario. And is that it? That's about it. I mean, <laughs> 3DS has got more games, but like for the 3DS, Wii U, uh, 3DS has like a couple of third party games and then also has like Pokemon, which is. And, and the Dragon Quest games, which Nintendo is doing and things like yeah, that. They, they didn't even address like like on the release list they didn't show with them heaven which was announced at the last direct so oh, yeah, that's right it wasn't even I actually, like i, I actually said, totally forgot it, that was announced. yeah the release schedule was 2016 into 2017 and nothing they didn't list with them heaven, heaven anywhere so i'm maybe it was just a mistake uh i don't know but yeah so, so how, okay how early do you have to line up for zelda <laughs> it's gonna be good. the the real pain in the ass about lining up for e3 is that it's not just the people um that are just going to the show floor it's that it can also be exhibitors like they let the people that are exhibiting uh out early to just line up for a game and like when i went to in 2011 
uh, when I that was my first E3, uh, they had the 3DS. They announced that and um, the Wii U. That was like their big coming out party. It was the, like the was it? I think it was the Wii. No, maybe it was the next year. But uh, um, they had the Wii U and the 3DS. No, it was the Wii U, right? Because they announced it super early. Or yeah, yeah, that's like I yeah. I remember, I remember. I remember like the very first thing they showed up was like the gamepad. We didn't know it was actually a new system. We're just like, oh, is this like an add-on attachment to the yeah. Wii? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it was like 2011 or 2012. It was like the Wii U announcement, and they did that really silly thing where they had like a bunch of people on the wall playing with their consoles. It was really bizarre. Um, but like I uh, Sunday. Was it Sunday? Uh, sorry, Thursday. Um, I had I was one of the first people to line up um, outside of the show floor, um, wanting to get in and try the 3DS at least once before it was all over. That was like the only thing I kind of cared about because um, all the other ones I got in for like a press reason. Um, but as soon as I showed up, there was already a long line for it, um, and I was like, I kind of rushed there, and it's not even that far away from like the door. Okay, well, it's kind of like on the other side, but it's like towards the middle. It's a huge. Nintendo was a gigantic booth, if you can think about it. And yeah. so as soon as I got there, it was already like an hour and a half wait. Uh, and it was snaked already. And so wow. I was like, I was sitting like, like, then this guy who had a 3DS like tethered to him, like he had it like a necklace with a 3DS around it. He just showed me like a Star Fox, like some movement on the 3D movement and all that stuff. I was like, all right, I'm good. And I walked away. And so I'm expecting that to be the same thing this year where it's like if you want to check out uh, or not uh, not for like uh, for like Zelda, it's going to just be a super long line of just that same game. And Can you imagine it's like the first like uh, press person just finally getting their heads. It's like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm playing Zelda. I can confirm that this is definitely Zelda. <laughs> this is so bizarre. Like what's, what's the game going to be? I mean, I'm excited to know more about that game, but it's like... I mean, what do we? What do we know at this point? It's I mean, like more open world. world. No yeah, one wants. Know. I don't think anyone wants that version. Like, not enough people own a Wii U anyway. So it's like more people are plugging it. Supposedly, the NX is like way more powerful than the PlayStation Four. Well, no, well, that compares of, to the 4K. But well, in terms of the game itself, we know that they said they want it to be open world. Of course. Ever since, uh, like a link between worlds, and so not including like the remake between of worlds. No, okay, I'm, I emphasize that. Um. But not including like the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess remakes, they've kind of uh, said that they want to change up the formula a bit and maybe things like dungeons, maybe make them not so distinct and separated, maybe bring some of the dungeon elements out into the overworld or things like that. Like, you mean, like, no, no actual dungeon, but like an actual well, like place, a section well, of kind a... Kind of like an open world games where it's just like a part of the map and not like some, you know, separated entity that you dive into or something, you know, like... So more like an open world game, no but no longer we don't... a dungeon then. Yeah, but we don't. Otherwise, we don't really know. Yeah, yeah we don't know much about. <laughs> no, they yeah, they kept it. Don't they don't. I'm sure they didn't even know the fact that it's taken this long. It's become like. Um, it, it's they they obviously announced it super early. It's the same with the Wii U. Announced it way too early. The NX they announced it way too early, and so now we're kind of just sitting here thinking like, okay, the console's out in March. Um, either you guys going to put up like a big event sometime between now and the fall time, or are we just going to get all of our news through the Nintendo directs? It's like, uh, are, are you going to do another like Best Buy thing where you're going to have a bunch of consoles be shipped around and that's how and people playable get their, beforehand. Yeah. yeah that's going to be their hands on time. Are you going to have like a space world kind of event where it's like everyone <laughs> can check out their count the, the N64. Um, now this time it's going to be the Nintendo NX. I don't know. That's, 
It's such a weird thing. That's uh, why uh, Nintendo uh, never plays by the rules anyway, though. So not. That's expected. why I think the, like the most interesting thing about this. I just want to make a brief mention because you're talking about like all this weird, like you know, announcing stuff too early. I wonder if their shift now to a more Western uh, business type uh, organization uh, will affect this and how they message things in the future. I hope because... it's Nintendo of, of Europe and not America's, because America's been screwing us over for years. So yeah, so they're basically transitioning uh, to an audit supervisory committee uh, officer system type. So in the just to. to boil it down uh they're just basically adopting a more western uh model for these uh for this corporation so they got a supervisory board uh for decision making like uh like more bigger management decision making with a with a ceo a cfo a ceo and so on and so on um basically what most of you will probably are if you're working in an office basically has that model um and so the, I'm hoping this like leads to like less delays and more consistent uh, flow of messaging. Like it's it's not like so super widely gapped, and then some, and then sometimes kind of haphazardly. I mean, to be gun. fair, Nintendo's done its is best when it's uh, delivering its messaging. Like it does better than say like microsoft and sony at times oh yeah for like, sure for nintendo sure. direct has been like a huge thing for them yeah um, i don't think that directs should, should stop because of this i think directs are great i'm just thinking that they should really start thinking about where does this fall in the timeline because you can't be announcing this stuff like two to three years out and it's like oh wait um, oh but you know way, sony sony did does that all yeah, the yeah time. sony That's does that true. all the time yeah i'm not saying that sony yeah. and microsoft are definitely exempt of this but i'm hoping that that tightens it up a little bit on yeah. their end um it's still and, it won't stop the leaks because nintendo's been leaking oh no. like crazy this whole year so oh no. i'm not surprised so ho- hopefully that uh that things will get ironed out in that aspect and march 2017 that's going to be something yeah that's that's kind of a crazy time because like i guess if you did your taxes early you could use your tax return on that or something i don't know it's like a weird time to spend a lot of and, money on a console at least we could be we rest assured. There's probably no way they're gonna push past that March because it's that at the, like the end of their fiscal year right there. They have investors to answer to. If that thing doesn't ship by then at March 2017, they're really gonna get it on that end. Yeah, they said something like they are only planning on shipping 800,000 Wii U's this fiscal year. The rest this whole fiscal year, and considering like PlayStation makes that like in a month, um, if they blow past that and that's all they had to rely on for profits, um, they. I think it's like the next day after that pre- that uh, investor meeting, it, their shares like tanked, and so like I can only imagine what that would do next year. It's like, okay, you've pushed yeah. past this fiscal year. We're gonna uh, is this seriously the NX going to be the whole thing? Because the crazy thing about when the Wii U came out is that there was the launch, and then you had to wait about like seven or eight months for the next thing to show up um, for a game that you cared about, um, which was that wonderful 101 or whatever it was. Uh, so I wonder how they're going to kind of stagger their games like that. Some people are kind of talking about like now that it's, they're kind of releasing the same game and not ports or whatever it is in remasters, uh, man, I just don't know if the content's there, especially yeah, like yeah. talking about third party content. Like and that's the speaking big... of third parties, like Nintendo more recently, what they've kind of been doing is not really the third party games, but they've been having, third-party developers kind of making games for them. They've kind of always done this uh, to some extent, but even yeah. more now, like having Koei Tecmo or Team Ninja do... Um, yeah, the Hyrule Warriors. Hi- Hyrule Warriors, like and then Atlas making, you know, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and um, 
localized uh, in that game too. Atlas is localized in Tokyo Mirage yeah. Sessions. Yeah, so more. I, 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 I even I even meant like in like well that worldwide, but just the Japanese studios and Bandai Namco basically made Super Smash Brothers and uh, things like that. Uh, that's right. So it's the maybe that's one of their strategies is to try to kind of publish and you know these third-party games on their own kind of setup. I don't know. They have a lot of work to do. So okay, let's, let's 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 go around the table. Like, what's your one wish for the NX, Josh? Oh man, what's my one wish for the NX? Yeah. Um, that has more third-party games that I care about. I mean, the, just traditionally, Nintendo's never really had like a really big third-party support. I really want to see more third parties. Okay, remind me. Console. Remind me. Uh, Dragon Quest Eleven is that officially for NX, or is that just kind of a? It was. It was. Like, it was going to be coming NX. Square Enix like yeah. said it, then they pulled it back. It's going to be out. You yeah, can, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally going to be there. I, 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 I'm just thinking of like what NX games do we know about, which obviously hasn't. You know, we don't. My wish is more. Yeah, it. that's my biggest. It's going to be like the same. Like Zelda, obviously, has been. Zelda. Zelda is really the only next game that's been announced, but obviously, you know, they'll have the major. No, the mascots will be there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Super Mario, Super Mario Universe. But or... that's like first part. Like you know, <laughs> people who are going to buy the NX are going to buy it for the first party games. But if it's like. And there's some there's some silly rumor that Retro Studios is working on a new IP, which you know is not necessarily. The most interesting rumor. No, we know, it's not. We know it's they're like, working on. We know they're working on something, and they're going to make something new. Like, okay, that's a actually. If you put it in the context of Nintendo, I guess that is a big deal because they the new IP. really do new IPs. There's a new IP. There, there, there's a little cross set line via, um, after it says Federation Force, but oh. there's like a, a little scribble before that. If they make a new, uh, the fact they said they're not going to make another Metroid, another Donkey Kong game, it's like. Man, I don't even know what Nintendo is anymore. Like growing up, it's like I would want them to make a new Metroid game, but they're not going to do it. Uh, it's like I guess they figured this is more focus tested. Um, Metroid Other M two. I I never played Other Metroid M, so I don't know. I don't have the same like uh, hostility towards that game. Some people do. I own it, just never played it. Uh, Adam, what would you want out of the NX? Uh, I mean. It's kind of like when it comes to third-party games. I mean, I have a PlayStation. I have, a, you know, I have a PC. I can. So I'm not exactly sure if third-party games, like third-party exclusives on NX. I'm not sure. They don't really do that much anyway. Yeah, like, so, yeah, like, there's not many so, of those. Yeah, I'm so kind of like, tired of like just buying a Nintendo console for Nintendo games, though. I, I guess, would like to see. This like, I feel like it's so limited to it now. Like I, I can play third-party games on anything else, so I'm not exactly sure that I. That's like a selling point for Nintendo. Not maybe this isn't NX specific, but in general, Nintendo has a ton of mish potential in their digital offerings for their like library of like their older games, their legacy games. Yeah, yeah. Like Virtual Console has been really kind of sad. Especially yeah, where's the GameCube games? You know, like that kind of thing. That's and especially, cool. especially because like this implementation, like the Wii had. The Wii, the Wii itself eventually had a decent number of SNES games and uh, N64 games and things like that. But then when you went to Wii U, like you have to like the way that those were implemented by going back into a Wii mode was kind of awkward. And then like the Wii U Virtual Console itself is just like this drip feed of SNES games again. And just I guess they recently announced or started releasing those on 3DS and things like that. I kind of feel yeah. like there's so many good classic Nintendo games and that's a lot of missed potential there. Um, 
that's not really NX specific, just kind of one of, I think, one of Nintendo's biggest, you know, swings and a miss right now. It's like, there's so much they could do there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at emulators for, like, the Wii U and 3DS emulators are coming on pretty well right now. It's 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 surprising to see because I was looking at it 3DS yesterday. 3DS especially, yeah. Yeah, 3DS is very close. Like, you're talking maybe cutscenes are having the biggest problem right now and the audio issues. But beyond that, like, I've seen footage of, like, uh, the Mario games, Zero Time Dilemma, uh, not Zero Time Dilemma, um, but um, Virtuous Last Reward, and uh, all these other action games, and they seem to run fine. Uh, and they look a lot better because emulators, of course, have the ability to you can crank up the resolution and um, other qualities about it. And so, like, you would hope that Nintendo has a plan for that catalog because that's what they need. As you said, that's kind of what they should be focused on a lot about is that if people aren't going to be so into that, um, uh, if, if new games are going to be few and far between, just like you kind of expect them to be. I mean, Sony's not... Um, Sony and Microsoft aren't kind of, you know, alien to this because they have sort of the same problem. It's just kind of crazy how the PlayStation 4 sold so well, even if there's not been a whole lot of like first party games, like they're pretty far apart. Um, but the fact is they can kind of rely on their community and Nintendo could be doing that a lot as well. I guess it's like the Nintendo NX experience. Uh, they should focus a lot of like the, the, um, the uh, the community aspects of it, like the technology, the the fun things you can do with the console without owning a game itself. I think the thing I would want most out of that is them to get their heads in the game and finally focus on their pricing strategy, because it's really annoying how you could it could be years after the fact and still see a lot of Nintendo games be close to, if not the retail price that it was at at the time it came out. So like sixty bucks for a Nintendo game. Um, and stuff like that while you're seeing like a lot of Sony games drop down from like half price or below you can say like you should look at sales and like digital things it's usually third party games that get like their big chunks of money taken off of that you very rarely see like Nintendo first party games drop below like $40 or something it's really annoying um, owning a console and saying like well I can't buy any of these I can't afford them so I hope that's kind of a big thing Uh, obviously the digital strategy is a huge thing like uh, being able to bring a community that doesn't rely on like friend codes and account management and all this garbage it's like i want them to do something like that what i would love to see is nintendo bring out their own sort of playstation plus uh, experience where you get like free games that would be great uh, and nintendo kind of along the same line and i know all companies run into this but it seems like nintendo more often than not is like their games sometimes have like oddly low print runs where they actually be games that shouldn't become rare become rare oh it's all like rpgs are well, I, notorious for that too this this is fixed now but i remember when like the Ocarina of Time was rare on 3DS, and like out of all your games, yeah. Nintendo, yeah, that's, and then they why is out... that game the rare one it's on so... your 3DS? They they eventually reprinted it, but yeah, I they did their little twenty dollar run of like popular games that they reprinted it. But like, why does it? Why do you guys do this? It's they they do have their selects line, but I feel that's like it. they only come out with like four games every other year, and or every third year maybe. They they. Like every very rarely have like these reprints, so it's it, and it's bizarre how it only took up until recently that you can actually buy digital games through their website. Like, what took you guys so long? I mean, these other consoles have been doing that for years, and so I don't know. I just hope that it's far for the course like, for Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you hope that uh, with their reliance on like third parties and things like that, it's like they need to employ more people that actually understand that type of business and can really turn things around for them. Cause like 
that's the thing that's kind of kept them stuck in the past. And the fact that we were talking about it before that the PlayStation Network itself made more money than Nintendo did as a company. And so, like, obviously, the fact that, like, Sony's charging for, like, online multiplayer and it's got this robust PlayStation Plus membership program that they've got that offers a lot of value. Like, Nintendo's doesn't really have something like that right now, or at least not to the extent that people are willing to put down as much money as they do with the PlayStation Network. And so, like, those things you were talking about, like, they could emphasize their back catalog by offering um, games that people can buy at either like a lower price, a discounted price, or for free, um, as long as they keep their subscription. Uh, so I think that would be an amazing way. I would I would totally buy an NX if it came with it, like a that type of subscription program that I could be getting, like I could play Earthbound whenever I wanted to, or something like that. That would be cool. Or uh, and you would hope that um, it's kind of interesting to see, like if it's a whole new technology. Are you still going to be able to play like Wii U games on the NX or like um, Wii games and things like that? Like, what, are the, what, what what's going to happen with that? Yeah, it's with Nintendo doing these, you know, atypical control schemes. That's always it's always a gimmick with that. It's, that's it's, not it's, always it's, a bad thing. Yeah, but it's always a little bit more questionable about like their backwards compatibility stuff. Like, uh, are Wii U game pads going to be compatible with NX? Also, I mean, and then you also still have like the. The Wii remotes, the Wii remotes, and the. I was so uh, bad that when they and, said like you could have more than one Wii U gamepad, but that never came. That never happened. That's, and then, that's right. And I then, think in Japan it did, but just like briefly. And then you have always like you always have three or four sometimes control schemes for the Nintendo games, and it's just a little bit more complicated than like PlayStation, where it's like you have your PS4 controller, and that's. It better not be because the kinda. fact that they're that the the patent stuff shows that that glass screen and like the controller, the whole thing's the screen. I don't like that idea at all just because it means that the controller is going to be very expensive. And so if you break it, uh, especially if it's going to be like a whole screen, like if you get like a crack in that, then you you might lose like if if that's the actual screen itself, like that's the game screen uh, possibility, then it means you're down like fourth of your viewing aspect of that. And I I don't have any real, I don't have any like real functional issue with the Wii U controller, the gamepad. Not really. Uh, just, Just the kind of the question like, uh, if if Wii U like is the NX going to use that at all? And, and like you mentioned, if you need a replacement, if it breaks or whatever, you can't actually. You st- can you buy them? Like or you, you can, have to get them? Uh, you can get replaced by Nintendo. People yeah, directly by Nintendo. Or you can go like on eBay or, or something or like that. But it. It's still like it's yeah. silly because like if you want to buy a used console, you have to like bear like, well, this one doesn't come with a gamepad. This one does. So it's like uh, I pay 150 bucks for the console. But I'll pay two hundred dollars or whatever for the gamepad, and it's terrible because like the Wii U costs three hundred dollars, and it shouldn't, because uh, that it should be like fifty dollars less or something, because like PlayStation Four is three fifty, Xbox One's three fifty, the Wii U is not worth three hundred dollars at least. For, it's got like a good, they, a really strong the, selection they, of like eight or ten games, but like it shouldn't be worth that much. It's yeah, the controller they, that's making it that expensive. Clearly, they do they, they do do the bundles every once in a while. Like they have like this, they had like a Splatoon Mario Kart one. Which, yeah, or, I got the Mario Kart one. It's it's I love Mario Kart, but like it's but yeah, it's out of the gamepad. That's the problem. It's like it, once the actual console, the new one, the NX comes out, like I was talking about before, like the technology is supposed to be superior to like the PlayStation uh, and the Xbox, but once the PlayStation 4K comes out and whatever Microsoft has with the new Xbox, how different it's going to be and like, what's going to be the pricing for that? Like I'm not ready to spend another like $400 on a console, um, 
for an upgrade. Yeah. No, yeah, it's it's tough. It's this weird like time to be doing something like that already, and so I wonder what they're going to do about it. And, like a lot of people probably own. There, I'm, I'm sure there's very few people that only own a Wii U at this point. Um, yeah, so I have to imagine. Anyways, you should probably. We think we've been talking about this long enough. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like uh, it, I like to talk until we get the fill of it. So yeah, it's, 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 it's the interesting times in the future for sure. Like that's just yeah. seeing how this whole new like expanded market, extended market, will unfold. And and, and yeah, and, uh, and the 3DS itself is you know five years old now, and it's it still has a decent number of like third party games supporting it, but it's getting long in the tooth as well. So there's always that talk if NX is like. Well, I guess they announced that NX is supposed to be like a third pillar again. Uh, God, that's so stupid because like they yeah. announced that like they announced that back when the DS was. It's not replacing the Game Boy, and then it no. replaced the Game Boy. <laughs> the, it was funny because like, yeah, they said the Game Boy Advance was going to still is there's still going to be a Game Boy line and Nintendo DS line. They're going to be separate, and then you have the yeah, GameCube. Right. It's a console thing. And like some person brought up like the Game Boy Micro. It's like, no, that was a revision. That was not a new a Game Boy Micro is just a special type of Game Boy Advance. <laughs> it was awesome. I actually when I worked great. at Best Buy, I got to carry one around around my neck and that was awesome. Oh, I was that's like, cool. I just play some Tetris whenever I wanted. Nice. Yeah, Game Boy Micro is a rad thing. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, it's obviously a tiny little screen, so it's not comfortable playing an RPG, but like if you have another kind of quick type of game, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to save a lot of these localization dates and stuff like that to the very end because it's a lot of just announcing dates. Uh, let's move on to another p- big piece of news. Um, CyberConnect2 uh, opened a new studio in Montreal uh, in Canada. And so they... Um, We're going Western now. Yes. They basically said that they wanted to sort of open up their uh, company to the Western market more and more because they feel like they can uh, tap into a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of talent that's over here and so they kind of just op- it's a very simple official page that they open up where it's mostly just like the hiring for pretty much every position uh, so if you live in Canada or you want to move there um, you should really be checking that out I suppose uh, they haven't really said much about what they're doing about a year ago we put out news when they announced it that they were working on three different games one was a photorealistic Unreal Engine 4 game uh, that is atypical uh, atypical from what they normally work on and then um they are also working on a very uh anime heavy type of game just to keep with their typical output that they have with like the naruto games and then a vr title that they haven't really touched upon at all but um what it seems to be uh they're talking about lately is project venom which is more like a shooter first-person shooter kind of game no it's uh, not first-person shooter uh, they not? haven't said they said shooter action but it's not they haven't said first person on it kind of like I thought it, that was the magazine scans that they had it looked kind of first person but maybe i was miss. they haven't said first person it could it may, it may it may well be i don't know but they haven't actually said if it's a first kind of person crazy thing. if it was right yeah um <laughs> japanese but, studio making a an, an, an action game with some sort of shooting element yeah project so. Venet, like it's aiming to be released uh next year for the ps4 xbox one and pc and it'll be their First self-published title. Can, can you imagine? CyberConnect2 has been around for a really long time. They haven't ever published a, a title by themselves. It's like a level five kind of thing that they're leaving into, like a Japanese studio trying to make it in the American market. Uh, yeah, I'm very interested to see like what what that uh, 
the first thing that'll pump out uh, from Montreal, their Montreal branch. Because yeah. I, I don't want to give the impression that Project Venom is being produced by this Montreal studio. It's like, no, 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 no. Uh, th- th- those are two separate things. Uh, Project Venom is being developed by CyberConnect2 over in Japan, and, but they're, but uh, they're also uh, opening up a new Montreal uh, studio in Montreal. And I, I'm very interested to see what that Montreal studio will do. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that they're going to make two different projects and they seem to be all original IPs, Obviously, CyberConnect2 has been stuck with a lot of using license work for a long time. It's like when Bioware broke out from making license work and started to make their own titles. It was kind of an exciting time. And so I'm very interested to see what they're going to do with that. Um, Hopefully, we'll hear more about that. And if they're going to be doing that, most likely we'll hear plenty more like at maybe E3 or Gamescom or TGS. The fact that they have a, I mean, the fact that they're hiring a bunch of positions now, I'm sure the Montreal studios, it's going to be a ways off before we hear anything about that. But oh, yeah. CyberConnect2 has been working on their big project since last year, at least because they were hiring for positions then. So I'm sure we'll hear more about it very soon. Um, yeah, I, I think I also want to mention that yeah. um, Project Venom, they released like some illustration concept art of. Looks nice. Yeah, it looks very nice. It's very uh, the, art, the art is very inspired by that uh, Studio Ghibli film on uh, Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind. Yeah, it's, it looks yeah. really good like that. It's got the same so- sort of like deserty look to it. It looks mm. pretty cool. Uh, so I'm very interested to um, get, get more like actual footage of uh, what the final product looks like on that. I mean, it's it's very, I, I admire CyberConnect2's efforts, like really trying to branch out about having their own identity now and uh, being independent and seeing what kind of uh, creative juices they have stored up in them. Man, I hope that doesn't mean no .hd collection because that would really bum me out. Man. He keeps, well, the president kept talking about it and talking about it every time he was asked, like, yeah, we were totally looking into that. I'm like, come on, man. It's, it's been a long just time. There's seven games you could be localizing we you could make remasters for. Um, or yeah. like, man, or Asuka's <sighs> Wrath or something like that. Um, Sir's Wrath, excuse me. So, um, yeah, CyberConnect2 opened a studio in Montreal. Um, but also, uh, and on one hand, you've got a, a studio opening up uh, and creating relations. Then you, on the other hand, you've got two publishers basically breaking apart and so um not long ago sega announced that they would be taking over publishing operations for atlas um people still felt like and that was like an america kind of thing um people didn't really know what type of what what that would mean for nice america because they've been localizing a lot of atlas's titles for the european market and in turn, Atlas has been publishing Nisa games uh, for the American market. You mean distributing? Distributing, excuse me. Um, so they've been kind of working together on that front. Um, but very recently, it was announced that uh, Nisa America would no longer be publishing Atlas's games in Europe. And in the same breath, uh, Atlas is no longer distributing uh, Nisa America games in America. So that's been a uh, pretty big blow uh, to Nice America in particular, because Atlas has got Sega money, so it's not a big deal to them. Nice America, I've been pretty concerned about uh, just because of the fact that they're losing that. They lost the European publishing or distribution ability, so that's a lot of money that they could have been making. Um, People in Europe seem to be really upset about this as well, because apparently it was they don't trust Sega of Europe because they feel like they uh, well, I mean, the word of what they're saying is like Sega does nothing for them in Europe, and so that's 
uh, upsetting to hear about too. I, I know the Sega Europe offices. I think those are the guys that are kind of mostly focused on like Total War and the Company of Heroes type stuff. Um, yeah, Sega Europe is, is a toy own its own separate thing that has nothing yeah. to do with Sega America. So they can't really talk about that. Yeah, and obviously Europeans are you know they've kind of become very i don't know if this is the right word but they you know they rely on nice america to bring atlas games to them um in a very short span of time too fashion at the very least yeah like within within like three to six months that's usually been the turnaround time and going all the way back to like persona 4 golden when they localized that i think people keep bringing up shin megami tensei 4 but like that all, they, that they blame be... Sega for that whole mess, and it's like you know Sega bought Atlas the same year Shin Megami Tensei Four came out, so it's not like it's like they had a lot of time to exactly. That was on that. Nintendo of America, not Nintendo of Europe, I believe, the M seventy four. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so it was some weird combination of Atlas not having a European presence and then Nintendo of Europe. Uh, you know, obviously being the console holder, and I don't know, it was just weird. Yeah, uh, it, I don't think you can blame Sega for that whole mess, but like there's plenty of other examples, I'm sure, that people who actually are affected by that stuff, not like us here in America, can attest to. But like even even up till now, like the Persona 5, like we, we Persona 5 news hasn't been, you know, that present. It's been pretty silent since last year, even. But like anything, we don't really know anything about Persona 5 in Europe it's kind of a especially after this who knows (laughs) yeah they were i mean it was silly because like people well the thing is like they announced at the same time but people it's funny because like it's just based on like perception because they were like saying oh they're gonna announce it for america then who knows when we'll see it in europe that's been kind of the attitude for a lot of that stuff so it's not been like it's it's been uh the pr guy has always been talking about like well we can kind of say about america i'm not sure about europe because he he doesn't know like that's the right. that's why uh, the our the PR manager for Sega America basically said Sega Europe like I was talking about it's its own separate thing its own operation he can't answer for them because he doesn't know right. like he doesn't right. really deal with them they, they don't deal with America either separate departments separate departments it could come out like a week after it could come out months after it's it's hard to say and that that's why it's kind of weird when people go after like the yeah. America Sega America account for that stuff like yeah, guys, they, they can't they can't break each other's news no it's it's hard it, they don't they don't work together they don't work on each other's schedule that kind of thing it's its whole separate thing so that's something to keep in mind um but I think the the most juicy part about this is how um the 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 Nis America president and CEO, uh, Takuro Yamashita, I, I want to say, he was very upfront about like when this uh, news broke and uh, about on their end, well, the reason why it happened. Um, according to like the, the initial article from MVC UK, like uh, I'll just read some choice, uh, you know, quotations. Uh, he said, around 10 days ago, we terminated, terminated our alliance with Atlas in Europe and the US. Atlas became very picky about selecting the European publishing partner after it was bought by Sega. It was always cherry-picked to its uh, European publishing partner based on who offered the highest minimum guarantee on a title-by-title basis. I noticed that it was very difficult for Nis America to establish an equal partnership with Atlas. That was his the what he chose to say on that on that end. Man, yeah. It's it's kind of funny because like Nis America's got like it's got its own distributors in Europe. So like they've got like I think it's Reef Entertainment is the European publisher for Nice America games. And so like they were in turn helping out with Atlas as much as they could based on the partnership that they had with other companies. And so 
I mean, the fact that it's going to be more reliant upon that, it's just a huge question mark over that whole experience. And you wonder... Oh, sorry. Uh, it's like you wonder if someone like Ghostlight's going to kind of start helping out again. They did like... Probably. They did like double. They did Devil Survivor for Atlas, you know, a couple of years ago or several years ago. Now, no, it's going to be Sega. Sega said they're going to be publishing games for them. No, I, I'm, I meant in Europe though. That's yeah, that's for Atlas Europe. games. Sega's going to be handling that stuff. That's what they. Wait, that's kind of they made it. Is there an official word? I, I, I thought that you're saying Sega was going to be like published, like now the official publisher on in in America on atlas games not about not in europe like we've been saying yeah i haven't heard i haven't heard sega of europe say anything on this uh, i was talking about ghostlight which is based in uh, yeah they've been mostly you know, like an ex-seed company too so like they could totally be the guys to handle that but that's mostly been like localization and stuff like that not like physical retail copies so that's kind of going to be even it, more difficult some of the all these these different like company connections are always kind of weird like ex-seed is technically you know marvelous but marvelous kind of lets them have their own you know like personality and you know establishment but they're still part of marvelous but then like marvelous themselves is in europe and they kind of do the same you know game center and Kaga. well i mean marvelous is got is much bigger it's got a much bigger hold on the american side than like sega europe right. does because like marvelous they basically made uh xc use their logo and stuff like that even if they still go by xc and so it's this weird it's much weirder there than it is like um with sega but even then, it's like Atlas also handles the distribution for Idea Factory games. So there's this weird, like, kind of very convoluted roundabout way. It's like who's publishing whose games and all this stuff. Who, and who's distributing and then distributing, across, across yeah. the yeah. across the Atlantic? Who's you know taking care of the other other regions? It's weird. It's 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 actually uh, it's it's the funny thing because like there's plenty of examples that you can have. Like there's Sega, who's got a like I said a totally separate chain from American side. Same with Koei Tecmo. It's the same with uh, kind of a little bit Honda, marvelous. Honda Namco is... Nintendo, I'm sure, has got that same thing going too, it seems like. Because like Nintendo Europe seems to be more on the ball than America it's, is a lot of Ninten- the time. Nintendo is even weird enough where sometimes they'll have a totally different translation, localization in totally. English. It's uh, its own thing. That's, that's actually a good example. It's its own like operation that they've like, got going on. Like I know, uh, you know, like Super Smash Brothers or... Um, some of their other games, the actual English text and menus and dialogue and everything is different in Europe and in America, which kind of almost feels like it almost feels pointless. But it's especially with some of the weird translation criticism they've gotten. It's that's what they that's how they do it. They just do it t- independently of each other. Oh, gosh, that's that's <laughs> the most bizarre thing. So um, we're, we'll have to obviously wait a bit to realize the fallout. But I'm concerned about East America because it's like they they lose that obviously a good money-making deal and then i've been hearing that their enemy business isn't doing that great uh so what is their what are they what are they working with at this point put more disguise on pc yeah more disguise <laughs> games and unfortunately, it seems like relying more on steam is probably the best way <laughs> and, and also like games like danganronpa on pc does nisa have anything to do with that or is that no, also like no off? that is that is them yeah that's nisa is, is help it? Brought it over. well it's well i know i know nisa localized it so the translation is theirs but like spike chunsoft is technically the like the name like on the a, chunk, a cut of it you know I'm, yeah I, I, that's where i that's where i just don't know how it exactly works when it comes to multiple versions yeah i mean they they, they did the work um i'm sure like spike chunsoft i wonder what their business is like because they have to have they have to rely on coders and stuff like that i mean they also rely on people in japan to help them code the game for pcs as well because they need to have access to that stuff so yeah. i don't know i i'm not a 
game designer i couldn't even begin to think about like what what how that works um but that's the business that they're dealing with um so that's that's like i said hopefully we'll hear more about what that's like later maybe hear from the atlas side of things or sega side of things about what happened and why that partnership ended um but we've got other news to talk about so we've also um like i said i'm going to save some a lot of this news for the end of it but we'll just kind of go into some of the more uh news uh, content updates that we've had on the site um and elsewhere uh ease eight more nbcs they kind of like drip feed this stuff and that comes out <laughs> i don't you're gonna tell me about it because I, I i totally like just okay wanna... <laughs> so Fal. okay so falcom yeah falcom falcom what they do with all their like updates is they kind of do like a weekly update for their games they did it they they did it for tokyo xanadu and now they're doing it for east 8 where they are after they get you know through like the playable characters and the main premise and things like that then they kind of just get to like this really nitty-gritty kind of almost kind of boring things just like about the game so yeast 8 releases in like a couple of months in japan on vita anyway yeah so now they're at the point they're kind of just introducing various npcs that are in the game npcs uh, it's the weirdest yeah. thing to be talking about like oh this is the npc you're gonna meet like you're gonna yeah, just so, spoil the whole game aren't you and, and so essentially what it is is uh they so uh to kind of recap Adol crashes you know on an island you know surprise and they're on this uh they're on this kind of island um they're shipwrecked there and all these castaways i guess are you know they lose each other they're misplaced so as you go through the game you find these various castaways throughout and they kind of come together in like a castaway village and some of these npcs you get um do different things uh for you in the game like for example dogi uh i don't know exactly if he's probably someone you find early in the game he allows you he he allows you to like open up new paths because you know he's the wall crusher and all that. Uh, <laughs> Wait, so does he just like like he's just gonna punch things to like open up new pathways? I, I they I don't know if it's exa- exactly that, but it's basically that where it's like you need so. you, you need someone strong to to move this boulder or this tree or whatever it is. Dogie's there to do it. But anyways, the NPCs they announced this time. There's just a few of them, um, uh, like Olga or sorry, Aaron like is a guy you can find once you find him. And once he goes to uh, the castaway Island, he opens up like an accessory shop and can like imbue different things with your character weapons. Um, and then there's, a, there's a, I guess I saw it translated different ways. Uh, Kathleen or Catherine. Um, once you find her, she is the armory, the blacksmith. So she can upgrade your weapons, buy new weapons, up, things like that armor. Um, so they, they just announced a couple of these NPCs that you've, find throughout the game that just kind of have their own little role in the in the in the story and whatnot and then they also announced um two of dana's like friends in her weird uh part of the world uh olga and olga and sarai i guess they're just basically you know the characters that dana is going to be interacting with uh in her part of the story which is in um i don't know if they've announced this outright but it's like i think it's supposed to take place uh, in a different world or like a different time or things like that. Yeah, it's um, like it's totally separate from like the actual yeah place. And and yeah. apparently and apparently her story and Adol's story kind of connect through dreams and things like that. So it's some some it's some it's that usual typical duality type thing that they're doing there. What uh, the hell is Master Kong? Yeah, so this is something they they just put on the website recently. Um, all I know about him is he's like this ape type person like you don't say he's a bipedal like walking ape 
with like a mohawk, almost kind of looks like like a Super Saiyan hair, uh, where he, I guess, it shows him fighting at all. So I guess he's some sort of foe or enemy that you fight at some point. So yeah, that's they're kind of at that point in this in the news updates for this game, just kind of introducing these various, not party characters, not main characters, just kind of like these side characters throughout the game. So that's that. Yeah, so I mean, that's <laughs> easy. Is it is out the end of June for the Vita? Still no talk about a localization, but that's to be expected with the Falcons series. You never know if it's ever going to come out, especially if Exceed's focusing on Trails of Cold Steel one and two. Uh, two I, I, I imagine we won't hear any word of it until next year because the PS4 version was pushed back of E8 was pushed back to next year. So I imagine they're waiting for that to come out before they say word on localization because I imagine we'll get the PS4 and maybe Vita version simultaneously. Because I yeah. don't think that the same tactic would work over in the West. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the fact yeah. Xseed's <laughs> done with PSP games on on Vita, so that makes sense. Um, but like that, that's the great thing about, if anything, about you can owe a lot. Um, oh, the PlayStation Four success, the fact that we're getting all these localized titles that we never probably would have never seen before. That they're more, way more willing to bring the games out for our market if they just say, "Hey, look, the PlayStation Four has sold like forty million units." worldwide and it's doing extremely well in the west so oh, of course it should bring that game over here it seems like that's that's a great part of like the, the growth of the console market too you mean just to clear just to make sure i'm understanding you right like in japan uh the ps4 is not doing as well there as it's doing it's doing elsewhere. pretty well it's i doing, mean it's, it's not it's, it's not doing awful but it's uh definitely not taken it didn't take off as quickly as it did well taking as, off as good but if you look like week-to-week sales it's still doing pretty well in the in the face of like other consoles and stuff like but that. anyways with the shrinking with a shrinking console market in japan um a lot of these titles are ps4 and vita like yeah, you know, dual releases, and there, there is, I, there is some long-term thinking there. Like the PS4 release is definitely useful because that's more popular overseas. So, you know, it's, it's the fact like it's not doing as, as you said, it's not doing that well in Japan in comparison to other places around the world. That they're like, okay, we should really localize it because how else are we going to make our money back? It's like when uh, uh, Nobunichi's president was like. Disgaea, we get most of our sales from the overseas market, so that's what we rely yeah. upon to stay alive, pretty much. And, and so, that was that was PS4 exclusive. There was no PS3 or Vita version got, of that in Japan. Yeah, so. The fact that it didn't have it was only PS4 actually caused it was actually a huge problem for them in Japan because of that. Like they their sales. Yeah, that, that, the, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the extreme case of them. Yeah. Well, when they're making the game, they're like, well, we we hope that this does really well overseas because we have to kind of rely on markets outside of our own for this uh, yeah so. it's crazy because like the sky five is the best sky game that's ever been made at least in my opinion so i've heard similar sentiments so yeah it's 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 an incredible it's got all the best elements read our review if you want to know more um but then we also have um some bits of details about the valkyria azure revolution new characters have been announced they actually are big characters they're kind of are they all the the antagonists, right? Like they're all the bad guys. Is that right? Uh, no, I guess like kind of like a separate is, faction. Separate well, faction. One of them think. is like is the main dude uh, because the, like there's four new characters and uh, just saying that like hey the main dude that we've been introduced to like the brown haired brown jacket guy, he's part of this group called the Five Grape Sinners. They're kind of the ones kind of like leading this revolution, um, and then the each of these people have like certain uh, abilities that they specialize in. The the one that we know, like the main character, like Arnoleth or something. Amleth? He's the one. Uh, Amleth. So I, 
saw that Amazon RN for some reason. He's like uh, you know the the one who's uh, good at the battlefield. But you also have um, this uh, guy named Suleiman Kallenberg. He's really good with like uh, I think like political uh, politics. And then uh, Basil Sabansi. He's great with um, economics. And then you have Fleet Erickson, who's great at it's like uh, they, it's weird how it, it's called like incitement, but it's more it's more like journalism, like newspaper reporting, so communications. And then you have Violet Sazand, and she's great with information, like uh, you know, sp- more like behind the enemy lines, um, sabotage, spy related uh, things. And then I guess this all all ties back into how in this uh, alternate Valkyria universe, um, like you know, there'd be supernatural elements uh, in store. So I'm gonna assume that these people are well versed into these uh, aspects of war because of some supernatural element that sparked the revolution uh, in this. So it's just more uh, world building, uh, getting to more of the characters. I don't think that these are, maybe some of them are antagonists. I'm not really sure, but the way they portrayed this is that you're very much on the uh, revolutionary side of things uh, in this war and that these are like the big like figureheads at the at these aspects. So I'm, I'm, uh, they're probably um, major characters in the whole plot line, and I'm sure that you know, it'll be it'll have that Valkyria type of flavor in which it's very much a lot of things behind the scenes going on, just besides besides just what the battle in front of you. Yeah, I hope that they took into consideration the feedback that they got from the Alpha, but I'm sure that the story is going to be good enough uh, based yeah. on it's got a cool design, that's for sure. Like the mm-hmm. the five groove sinners have a cool design to them, so I'm excited to see more about that and hopefully hear about localization because they are still being very coy about that stuff even if we ask so yeah i mean it's still gonna get a, a new like what if what if on the remastered on the physical disc there's like a teaser for it <laughs> so, like in the game yeah. Aaron hasn't uh, said anything about that so i, I don't I, know I, if there's gonna be it i have to think localization chances are all but given especially if sega is going to be at least in the u.s uh, uh if sega is going to be localizing like seventh dragon you know that a game that its predecessors were not localized i think yeah. this has got to be a given you know it's got it well I, I mean i guess valkyrie chronicles 3 is still missing but who knows but that Plus, was, that the, was... the reception of the first like demo this it's, it's kind of understandable why they don't want to yeah and if you go to valkyrie chronicles 3 it's like well you can blame it on the fact that valkyrie chronicles 2 didn't sell well and it's talking about the psp at yeah, a time no, when that PSP system was, was all but dead. dead even on the vita it's like it's kind of hard to reason for that for seven dragon isn't that a 3DS game? So, Seventh Dragon yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's a lot easier to sell that when the 3DS is still alive and well. So why don't they just get Valkyria Chronicles 2 on Steam and then you know? <laughs> I was I'm surprised it hasn't been announced yet, considering how well one did. But you know, don't know about the difficulty of porting from the PSP to the PC is. Uh, but we've seen plenty of examples, so I guess we'll see. Um, and then also Supergiant Games, the makers of Bastion and uh, Transistor, also announced their next game is Pyre. Uh, that was available to play at PAX East. They announced it right before that event last weekend. And so um, I haven't heard a lot about it. I know kind of the basic parts about it. Like it's a three-on-three sort of arena sport type of game that's got RPG elements where you're building up your teammates. It's completely single player, so it's not some weird like online multiplayer uh, combat game, but 
Um, it's got, if, if anything from the trailer that they showed, it's got a great look to it. Very well oh, yeah. animated. Um, awesome music, as you'd expect from that series. Yeah, all, Supergiant has so far been, has a pretty good track record of those things. <laughs> it has a, it definitely has that Supergiant flavor to it. It's, it's also funny because I, I watched like an extended gameplay demo of this game and it's bizarre because like the like the the voices in this game it's like it's not it's not english at all it's like it's like a weird made up sweeto spanish accented made up language oh, it's so like, bizarre like faux spanish a little bit <laughs> nice. so uh, the, seeing it in action like it's very hard to describe it i can understand why people when they try to describe it, it's like wait what, are you, what in the world are you talking about it's just when you see it in action, it, it clicks it. It's like, okay, so the main objective in this uh, encounter against this other team of three is to get this ball, this orb, into their pyre, the, the, like this, uh, this fire. It's like a hoop, have. basically, is what it yeah, looks like. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like basketball, in a sense, because you can throw it in, you can like, but you can also hold it and like run through it, and it'll still count, or you can just throw it in there. And like each of these characters have like auras surrounding them, and it's like kind of like their, their zone of dominance. You can't really like go past that aura, so you kind of have to like tactically position uh, your characters to uh, either. It's only defend. it's only one person at a time that has that aura, right? Like not all three of them, just one. I think I'm not sure if it's. I believe all the, uh, it's always active, but like the but the person you're actually controlling is like in effect. Oh okay okay. Yeah, but because like it, it would not make sense for like for those ors not to be active like on defense because if those ors aren't active, then you can just swing back uh, past them because they have no auras. So I think it's yeah. like it's it's like a zone of dominance. I, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's basketball, except you're controlling one at a time and like tactically positioning them. And it's it, and like I said, it's got a great look. It's like I think I like the look of it more than say like Transistor because Transistor mm-hmm. felt a little sterile uh, in the way that it was presented, and you didn't feel like you you didn't feel like you were immersed as much as you were like in say Bastion. And so I'm I'm. I, I think that Pyre's got a better look to it, especially because like this is what like Greg Kasavin, uh, lead designer, he told me on Twitter is like, you know, we've only ever made a game where only just one person was talking, or at least it was a very like very small narrative. But then you've got like a lot of people, so he's got to like communicate between different party members and like right. other rival factions, these outcasts as they are, mm-hmm. um, that you're competing against. Because like I think the story of Pyre, um, if I remember correctly, is that. You're all, uh, you've been kind of outcast. You're an outcast among a group of outcasts, and the only way to like regain your freedom or something is to win this competition uh, that they're all, all part of. And there's like this book that the hero character came in possession of. Uh, and, consi- and since he's only one of the very few people that can read, because it's like against a rule or something, like a lot of these people aren't literate. So he's like one of the very few people that can actually read it. He can read this book. That grants him like uh, all this, this, uh, all this information that he can use, and so he's using that to like try to win these different uh, competitions that he's being he's, put uh, into. I think it's uh, like their rights. Yeah, the rights. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. They, they, it's, it's one of the rights is that they don't, <laughs> everyone else can't read or something like that. But um, it, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's going to be the first experience that we're going to have of Supergiant making a game that has all this. Uh, dialogue back and forth with a group of people. Yeah, and I'm excited. So, it's 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 awesome. It, yeah. it, I think the best way that like someone has put it, it's like it's like Oregon Trail meets NBA Jam. It's like that's, yes, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like crap. That that makes sense. 
Do you have to like get a bunch it. of oxygen? Do you die from like uh? Because <laughs> when you're when you're traveling around like the overworld, like you're traveling in a caravan, uh, and so oh, that's right because they did show mm-hmm. that caravan hopping off mm-hmm. that hill and stuff like that. It's like so, it's, and it's there's like great look. and there's multiple branching paths. Like there's this one like safe path that you can theoretically go down, and so you can gain information from this group, and that that may uh, be advantageous to you later on, or you can go to like maybe go to this uh path that maybe lead to a shortcut to your objective or something. And you have to choose. Wow. Okay. That's obviously it's a game that we need to get our hands on. It's oh yeah, for sure. like, I, sure I never, I never played Bastion, but I did play Transistor. And Bastion is great. You need to play yeah, Bastion, man. I know. Uh, it's much better. It's, it's a, even, uh, I don't know. I like Transistor just a little bit more. Oh, I can't. I can't say that. I mean, I like Trans. I, I beat Transistor I last year, both. but I, I, I think Bastion. I enjoyed Bastion a lot more. But that's you know opinions uh, and all. Anyways, even though this sounds like. Uh, totally different which is kind of what Supergiant does sort of um but it, it's definitely on my radar i'm interested <laughs> oh absolutely i'm sure it'll be at e3 and so we'll have a chance ourselves to get our hands yeah, on it set, at least. set to release 2017 sometime yeah. uh steam and ps4 just like transistor yeah who knows if it'll come out later to like the xbox but for now it's definitely going to be ps4 especially because like all the ads on the playstation blog i've got pyre all over it so it's it's obvious they got a partnership there um, and, uh, the last bigger piece of news is that there was a Persona 5 countdown, um, website that was posted that shows that that's going to end on May the 5th, which, uh, is in five, time five. for a Nico stream that's going to happen at that same time. And so that's kind of crazy that, uh, well, hopefully well, it's not going to be an announcement of an announcement, it, but uh, you know, it is. <laughs> or, a, or an announcement you know. of another delay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's too soon to be saying like that. Like they'll wait until it's like, well, it's going to be out on. What if that game came out like September 20th, which is the 20th anniversary of persona. Oh, that'd be fucked up. And like a week <laughs> before final fantasy 15 comes out. Well, I mean, that'd be the Japanese release. Unless it's going to be worldwide. Can you, well, that's still, that's still going to impact it. No? Oh yeah, for sure. For that's, sure. Even if it's, it's not gonna be out in America. It's like Persona's Persona. You can't really compare it to other series. Like it's it's a much it's a huge thing in Japan, just like Final Fantasy. So that's kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, it's supposed to release this summer, but it doesn't have any sort of date yet. So you have still to counts. Think, <laughs> still counts. Still counts. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Well, September. I mean, we're talking about that there was a release date it that was somewhere. that fake leak. <laughs> no, that was a really funny. Thing. We're in a 2014 release date. No, there's a leak. Or they hacked the website. And yeah, that's that. That's coming out. Coming to PC and for like on like July. 20th. Immediately didn't believe it because it's like and yeah, it right. PC. That was right. so funny because because like so the first. Put, PS3. Yeah, they That's forgot the PS3 so, release. Yeah. It was funny because like there's there like that hint that like it's like well it's on the official site and it's like it was such a yeah you, but you couldn't fathom that like the the web security on Atlas's official Persona site would be that awful. Would it seriously be just like a tiny little update like that? Or would it, it would be like the whole site would change if it was like a big announcement of Persona. But it, like it, let's say it's like it's someone internally fucked so, up. Like, whoever whoever did that update apparently did it like the easiest way possible. Like they aside from the fact that the password was like persona 5 or something like that it's like he he made it just like like a little post he didn't even like put much effort into it so it's either like, way uh, I, I loved it either way because I, because I, even i gobbled it like yeah okay <laughs> I, was like, I, 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 I still i still wish that that guy delayed it by six to seven hours so everyone would get like the whole oh, like kotaku and polygon were yeah. reported oh, yeah. yeah i i, I know like when i woke up <laughs> that morning but... wherever you know it was kind of already you know done and over with like wait oh it was a some, some weird <laughs> update 
Tag thing. Oh, you yeah, man, they should have waited. They should have right. waited. Well, well, we'll find out. We have a few more days until May the fifth, and so we get to experience the excitement for ourselves. I'm yeah, still like, that's like, that's huge. Uh, we we already said Persona Five was our most anticipated game. I still think it's true. Like, that's the biggest game for the year oh, yeah. for me. And they, and they've been and they've been really silent on it since last year. There was like, <laughs> there was like one interview in the Persona magazine, that kind of just retreading the things they've already said. So it's been a while since we've heard much about this. So, so I'm, some of this podcast goes. It should be up fairly Literally this week. Tomorrow. It'll be up tomorrow. So okay. May 1st. Yeah. So it'll be up on May 1st. And then it's like, because like, unless they say like, okay, Persona 5 is going to be out this summer. Also, Shimogami Tensei 5. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, don't say that. <laughs> that would be, I'm, I that. That would be a, crazy, a crazy time. Um, Guess what? We're merging them. Yeah, Shimogami Tensei, Tensei 5, Persona, Persona 5. Persona yes. 6. <laughs> Damn. Persona 5 Dancing All Night is also announced. Uh, so... And it's also integrated into the main game, yes. by the way. Persona 5 Golden announced before Persona 5 comes out. Uh, so... For the NX. For the NX. So, yeah, actually, uh, Persona is it's crazy thinking like Persona is such a, a, a PlayStation series. Like, you got Shimigami has been like a Nintendo thing now uh for a while and so it's a weird how they're kind of separating by consoles i think there was a shimigami tensei 9 was the xbox original xbox game that came out that everyone forgets that was an actual well, xbox that, game that was, was never exclusive. localized right yeah. no no it was an exclusive it came out like yeah it came out like in 2002 or 2003 of course for the time those, those um, rare xbox japanese exclusives such a, it's such a weird game because you like ran around town with your own like uh, demon following you around and then you like you when it, when you went into battle it's like a whole separate screen like a grid that you fell into it's it was such a it still had the whole like you could still like um uh combine demons together and stuff like that but it was such a weird game like look up footage of it it's got a weird like opening too it's well i guess it's a very shimigami tensei thing is pretty much what it is um but other than that, that's that's pretty much it for like kind of the bigger news. Just to kind of rattle off a lot of the localization details, um, just to go down the list. Exist Archive uh, was announced for PlayStation Four and the Vita, which is crazy. Um, but it's coming from Axis Games, which is also pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, pretty coming crazy. out on October eighteenth for North America. They did. They they said no news about Europe. Is that right? That they was they basically said it is coming to Europe, but we don't have any details. Yeah, so we don't know be. when. We don't know if it's going to be digital only. Who knows? Yeah, but um, you know, it's it's the same deal. People think it's going to be a long ways off. Access. It could be out like a week later. Who knows? I, uh, I remember. I was getting a little scared that like they would they wouldn't look because it has been a, been a long time since like they they kind of we I think we were literally talking about that like a few days ago saying like exist archive is that game even going to come out yeah <laughs> i think it might have been the last podcast i'm not sure yeah, it's uh, and, and also i remember kind of thinking like about access uh re, like recent games like they had lawn greaser which came out recently which apparently is i've heard some let's just say mixed things about it i'm pulling i'm pulling back as a, as a as a as a person who played a lot of those old games, I was excited for it. Then I heard like all these like I was I was playing like um yeah I I played those uh, Warsaw I played as a kid and so which was Langrisser uh in in Japan and so like 
apparently it's like it alienated a, the whole fan base and did something completely separate yeah, I just and looked ruined bad. it. Like it was, I, I, they really pulled back on the whole. I was watching some game footage. I was like, oh no, what did they oh, do to the series? I'm not surprised Axis has been super quiet about that game. Well, and uh, well dump it uh, like walk, walk all I meant was like Axis's recent games are like have been like these really niche offerings. I kind of felt other than like Zero Escape. I kind of felt like they were kind of like scraping oh, the bottom of the barrel. Well, other than the fighting accepted. games, because they had like they had like last year they had like Moco Moco friends, and then they had like Proto Bonus Assault. Was Mind then, Zero was them right? And yeah, Lost, Lost Dimension was that them? Liz Liz loved Mind Zero. Yeah, she did. I've yeah. I've I've been hearing both. It's a mixed game for you. I'm, I'm sure. Joking. It's, it's, she got it a three. She gave it a three on our site. That yeah, she she yeah. adored it. <laughs> she adored it. That's great. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, no, Lost Dimension was Atlas. Um, yeah, anyways, that was Atlas. And then, um, rightly enough, the rest of the... Of the... Yeah, they had, like, Chronicles of Exodus or Teddy, some weird Wii U... And oh, other... yeah, I remember seeing that, their panel some... on Anime Expo. Yeah, last year. That's yeah. Oh, yeah, and they had, like, the fishing game. Oh, yeah, and, like... Because remember, like, laughing how they announced the fishing game before Zero Time Dilemma? Yeah, I remember, like, the, oh, the whole great. audience at Anime Expo were like, hey, uh, are they going to show Zero Escape? Like, the person here is, hey, are they going to show Zero Escape? like, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, just, I don't know. Anyway... <laughs> okay, stick with it. See what Anyways, happens. it feels like Exist Archive. I would hope has better prospects than some of those kind of reaches. I think. I mean, if, like, if, if you it. want Valkyrie profile, I hear this archive is uh, I, Valkyrie I, profile mechanics wise. I, I heard people I, actually I, like that game quite. I, a bit. I I know three people who have played the Japanese version of Exist Archive, and they all love it to various extents. They all, you know, maybe not adore it, but they all like the game. So it seems that's like more than what you'd expect from a game that's not actual named Valkyrie profile. So that's yeah. Good. So it it is made by Triace. It was published in Japan by Spike Chunsoft. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically Valkyrie profile inspired uh, RPG. So yeah, yeah, should be. And it's a, got and like it's, a two D side scrolling like adventure kind and of. It's, thing. it's got platforming. In, it's weird. In in North America, there's uh, it's it's got a physical release. It's dual audio. And yeah, with the platforming, um, I remember reading up on this when it was coming out. It's got like dungeon traversal, kind of like Valkyrie profile. Um, and even a little bit of platforming where I remember there was like this like weird burst mode where you jump higher and move faster. And like there are certain parts of dungeons where you have to use that to reach it. So it's got some interesting mix of things. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, should be excited. And then uh, just to route off some of the other stuff, um, Sword Art Online, Hollow Realization, the next entry of that series, which is kind of supposed to be like their return back to the original um sort of timeline and not Aincrad, uh, I think. yeah Aincrad. the original um, game the original yeah. the original story uh the original like first area of the game um return to that that's going to be out um this fall in north america and europe october 27th for japan so like right next to the japanese uh, release and people who are like uh anxious about the localization they already said like they uh felt really embarrassed by the english translation of uh hollow What's fragment. it called? Hollow Fragment. Hollow Fragment. And so like, I already forgot about it. Um, Hollow Fragment. So like, they're going to put a lot more effort into that. And they announced like a huge collector's edition for Japan for that game. And so who knows if we're going to be seeing that type of effort put here. But hey, we're sort of online. Um, and then <laughs> I don't know how people are excited about that. I actually am interested in that game. I, I usually treat games better. Than... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the Sword Art Online anime. You don't say. But, you but don't, there are... you even watch it? Yeah, I did. I watched oh, the English okay. dub when it aired, but that's you know, um, there are a lot of times where the game 
I've never played the games, but the games are with that interactive f- features and all that are a lot better than the source material sometimes. So who knows? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. Um, and then uh, let me just uh, just I was gonna save this one for last, but I think oh yeah, Tales of Berseria delayed to early 2000, uh, 2017. Nah, I don't know if it's North- we, we, we talked about this. Uh, they, they, we know they, if it's they, delayed. They, they kind of just never announced a release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, it's, up it's, till now, people. Kinda, yeah, there was never. A, I think people felt it was going to be like that because, like, Hysteria, they're like, "Oh, well, it's going to be out," and then like a few months after, it's going to be out here. Um, was what's what's Tales of Berseria's Japanese release date? They said like August, August, August 18, 18, 18, 18 or yeah. twenty eighth, twenty something like around there. Yeah, so they already announced the Japanese release date. Uh, I think we must have. I think I'm pretty sure we mentioned that last podcast. We mentioned that yeah, last time, but yeah, the, all, the only thing here is that it's uh, 2017 for us, um, PC and PS4. So they ne- they never they never declared like they did for Zestiria. It'll be out in the same year. As yeah. Japan, yeah, that six <laughs> months, like within six months or whatever it was. Well, um, even then, even then, I think for Vizestereo, that was kind of like just a, a an offhand comment from one of the community managers. So just totally. from eShock yeah. or whatever, they must have messed up. But then, and then finally, uh, for localization news, I am Satsuna, um, which was previously Project Satsuna, uh, dated for July nineteenth for both PlayStation Four and PC, digital only. Uh, we were in the chat when they had their stream, the English stream recently. Um, they, we were talking about things like, are you guys sure? Maybe like a collector's edition. Um, they said no plans now, but they are looking into it. And also like a physical release of the soundtrack. They said, oh, you know, we might want to do that. They did that for Japan. We might do that for us. And Square oh, Enix, Square Enix does a lot of soundtrack stuff. Yeah, know, so totally. So I, that's I'd, one of the, that's something they do. <laughs> I'd be surprised if they um, wouldn't do something like that, at least for the soundtrack. Because if you I was. They played through like the opening areas up until a boss fight, and it's very piano heavy, and it's very it, awesome. There's ton of piano. It's great. I, it's I like awesome. it because it's released at a time where like no big new game releases are coming. Like middle July is kind of bare at the moment. Yeah, June is huge, but July it's kind of it's it's July it's, is it's, July for me is gonna be like catching up on June shit. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much that's what it was last year. I was at. People, I think it's like JRP July is what they um, they coined it, and we kind of supported last year, and so like that's that's a great time this year. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. I mean, so yeah, that's, that's it's it for the the bigger news, and then we've got. Uh, well, I should say I wanted to like leave it off with this one: God Eater Resurrection and God Eater Two Rage Burst. They finally announced the release dates for that after just saying summertime. So uh, the news right. is. God Eater Resurrection, PlayStation 4 and Vita um, is going to be out June 28th in North America as a digital-only title. But the great thing is, is that with God Eater 2 Rage Burst, uh, they're doing the thing, Bandai Namco is doing the thing that they did with uh, Lost Son Sword Art Online, where you get a free copy of God Eater Resurrection uh, when you get that game. So it, it's actually God Eater 2 Rage Burst is going to be out on August 30th uh, for North America and Europe. And actually, um, God Eater Resurrection is going to be out on August 30th as well. So like everything for God Eater is August 30th for Europe. Um, uh, Adam, you want to kind of uh, give us more details about the included information with that? Wait, for God Eater? Yeah. I haven't really been paying too much attention to God Eater. All I know is uh, that it... The so the resurrection is a remake of the first game, and Rageverse um, is it's a more, sequel. Yeah, it's, it's, okay, I'll, I'll explain. Actually, it's probably better. <laughs> is that Resurrection is not only a remake; it actually includes a story that bridges the gap between one and two of God Eater. Uh, and then, yeah, what I was going to say is that God Eater Resurrection is included free with God Eater 
to Rage Burst. In America, it's only for the day one edition, but if it's anything like Dragon Quest Heroes, that day one edition lasts forever. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, <laughs> or Type it's, Zero. Yeah. It's just a it's just something that they use. Day or one like to Infinity zero. edition. Yeah, I think only up until very recently did the Final Fantasy 15 demo for Type Zero HD. Like actually, they had to like stop it because like I'm sure they still had copies out. And God Eater is not a huge license and so i'm sure it'll have plenty of day one editions you can pick up um but yeah a free copy of that and you just have to wait a couple months and so i'd probably recommend doing that just because god eater i reviewed god eater well heroes god eaters burst um and that was a really cool game because it was a very story driven game that monster hunter is totally not and so if you want to experience something more character uh developed Focused, yeah. then it's 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 pretty nice um I mean, and then, uh, unless you really want to play god eater on the same day as star ocean 5 coming out and zero time dilemma coming out along with four days after tokyo mirage sessions coming out you know isn't atelier sophie around that time as well atelier it's, sophie's it's, at the at the, 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 month, the early, early june yeah uh, that's, like, that's that's i'm competing with odin spirit leif Brasier and um the new Mirror's Edge, and new Guilty Gear. Yeah, a month and... after Valkyrie <laughs> Chronicles remastered, it's the whole summer is just. And then Grand Kingdom, which is probably yeah, the one. Grand I'm Kingdom. For. It's yeah, probably the one Kingdom. I'm looking forward to most. Zach, yeah, Grand actually... Kingdom is uh yeah that's on June 21st, uh, same day as No Man's Sky. That... Oh yeah. Zach was actually Zach was actually streaming the beta a couple of days ago, and I I had always been interested in the game, but it's like kind of just seeing it in action and like thinking about wow, this could potentially be a really deep game um, it's crazy because like you've got we didn't really we probably could have mentioned it at the top of this but like grand kingdom it's a strategy rpg that it takes place on like a a side view of a map and you have to work it's like lanes you're moving between lanes and so cool. like you have to uh use these there's like a bunch of different classes uh, jobs that you can uh, recruit characters that are specialized in each job and they have their own abilities that can attack from very far away and there's kind of a, a symbol that can indicate where you're going to be attacking from but more than that besides all the jobs and stuff that like that um and the dual audio which is awesome it's that if you want to go online it's got like this weird tug of war uh warfare going on where it's like you uh you decide which uh, of the four different nations that you want to be a part of. And my understanding is that you can totally jump to a different one if you wanted to. Um, and you take on different quests and battles and things like that. And then it's like this its whole online deal where it's like they're all competing against each other and trying to win battles and uh, get control over that and power i don't know what really carries over it's like if it carries over anything to the single player game maybe it's like a boost or something well um maybe you know two two things first of all it kind of reminds me of like what guild wars the online pseudo mmo did a couple you know and it's actually its first major expansion it had like a similar type of you know collective tug of war and in that game what they did was like if your faction had the had like the uh was you know the, the winning faction at the time you got like sale discounts when buying stuff and things like that um uh and higher crust rewards and things so who knows um but with grand kingdom like what's most interesting to me is it's kind of got like this short-term immediate um strategy element with the battles and how like which four classes are you going to use and it's got like the rhythm almost, it's almost got like a a little bit of a rhythm element and how you're timing your attacks and where you're positioning your characters oh. and things like that. But then it's also got like that more long-term strategy as well as like, which paths do you take on their, on your little board game? Uh, which, which enemies do you run into managing your morale and things like that? And there's uh, those on, 
on-field skills like I when I was watching you like you skipped a, you skipped a strong enemy by warping to a chest and things like that so yeah it's, it's like, got like oh, a board this- game thing that you have on the on the map that you also have to worry about like a cannon that might be firing in this whole area so you have to kind of get out of the way before it attacks it it's got like a Valkyrie Chronicles uh aspect to it in that sense because it's like you have to uh use uh an ap meter so you have like a movement meter so you have to you're going to make so many movements in uh one direction before you have to act and like you have you can't do anything else until you do an action so that's it's really cool and we've got the uh significant portion of the beta online on our youtube channel youtube.com slash rpg site net that you can check out um it seemed to go well beyond what I was playing, so it's a pretty significant thing. And that beta, um, we just got early, but it's going to be open up to everybody else. You have to; it's a closed beta, so you have to sign up for it. But that's going to start on May third. So if you want to do that, you have to go to Nice Americas or Nice Europe site and uh, sign up for that. But it seems like there's going to be a lot of stuff people can check out. The only problem is that there's only four jobs that you can get. So there's yeah. a lot of ones that are locked. You can't um, recruit people from that, but for what it's worth, like you could get a good idea of what that game's about just from playing that. So, and kind of a, just a small little thing to mention at the end here. One thing I, I thought was kind of nifty and I don't think I've ever seen another game do this was there are for the voices you can pick for your characters. There's 12 voices, 12 male, 12 female. And then I, I both 12 in English, 12 in Japanese. That's right. Uh, and not only that, but you can actually change their uh, their pitch. Yeah, it was, so you it was can so, like... you, so you, you can pick. You, so if you wanted to, you could have like a character pick like the brave voice, and you can make them really really high pitch if you want, or really really like low like did menacing. You, you, were you around when I did that? Yeah, and it, so it's, so that so you can do like a uh, looking guy that had a really high pitch female voice. Well, <laughs> Just... I was getting I was getting to that. Not only can you change the pitch of these voices and in either language, but you can also put a guy's voice on a female character. That's awesome. Uh, or, or vice versa. And it's just kind of like so many options with the character voices. Uh, you can basically do whatever you want. And I yeah. thought that was just a kind of neat thing that I don't think I've seen another game do. That's, so. that's the only bummer. It's kind of, kind of got a little bit of that disguise thing where it's gender specific jobs. So you can't like have a female person be this class. It has to be male only, but you can play around with the voices and at least have some fun that way, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it for the news, I believe. I don't see Oof. anything else that we missed, but we covered a lot today, and so only small thing: Stranger of Sword City PC oh, release. Yeah, uh, yeah PC, they, it was leaked for PC a while back. So that Steam did uh, leak, right? Like everything's and, been and its original time, right? and its original release in Japan was on PC, so it's um, not too unexpected anyway. But so uh, like PC, Vita, and Xbox One, it's such a weird release. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and but yeah, it's coming out uh, sometime in June. It's just like the other versions of the game, except you can upload your own character sprite. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great. You can go make a Neptunia party. That's right. Yeah. I just like have just have a bunch of like digging rope of characters. It's gonna be cool. Um, so that's it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's about it. Um, so I, I lost my train of thought. I was going to mention something like that, but th- yeah, that, that's all the big news. Oh, also you can sign up. They just opened beta registration, f- and, excuse me, registration for Stranger of Sword City on PC. So if you check out the Nice America Twitter account, they posted news, but I'm sure you go to the website. You can sign up for that. As of this recording, they're still accepting people to join that. So if you are interested and read our review and want to more, know more about that, you should definitely check it out. 
Um, but let's just wrap things up. So um, just to let you know where you can find us, we're on RPGsite.net. Uh, Twitter is at RPGsite, YouTube.com slash RPGsite.net, Facebook.com slash RPGsite.net. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, and finally, we always like to mention tinyurl.com slash RPG site discord. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people in there when they go off with the Persona 5 stream. So uh, you should join us there and be part of that excitement. Um, but oh, finally, I just want to... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's That place can be kind of crazy, but also can be sometimes dead. So we appreciate as much people in there as possible. Um, but I would like to thank my two guests for this podcast um as always josh torres and adam vitale thank you very much for joining me on this podcast i can't believe that my friend just got his third six star great sword in this game fuck this game what six star are you talking about valkyrie (laughs) (laughs) and i i i was there when josh said he was done with uh fate grand order because of stuff like this, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just he's he's back into it. Fuck all the games, dude. <laughs> yeah, I hate those games. And then like uh, two weeks later, it's got a whole new one he can fall in love with. I got to teach you about Battle Goal High School. I showed you off that game, but you didn't want to play. It's totally it profile. Yeah, it's not Vogue. It's it doesn't got that hook. When are they? When are, when 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 are they going to add Freya or Hist? I don't know, but I feel like it's coming. Oh, totally, it's coming. You, you you have a person that kind of looks like Freya, but it's actually Norn. So no. Mm. Need those extra characters, I'm sure, or introduce like Valkyrie Chronicle, like Valkyrie Profile two characters, and then like I should imagine that'll be like the collaborations, like future collaborations. That's definitely where they're going to where they're going to go with it. Oh, talk. Cloud's going to show up in that game randomly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, this, this tri-A stuff, just not not too unexpected, but unrelated. Like you can get like Star Ocean five or not Star Ocean five. Yeah, in exist archive in Japan, you can get Star Ocean five outfits and things like that. So oh they yeah, do costumes. I'm sure they'll have costumes. Yeah, yeah. And you can do Valkyrie Profile. profile. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they do all that stuff. These, I'm sure they have like swords from those games too. So like the iconic weapons that you kind of forget about because that wasn't really the big thing about Valkyrie Profile. All right, so once again, don't play MOBA games. Yeah. except maybe this one. We just had you made me have a, a MOBA gay corner last time we did this, <laughs> so you you should not be talking about this right now. <laughs> We're not going to bring you a corner ourselves. We need to find you a corner to sit in and just stay there forever. Thanks a lot, guys, for joining us on this episode of the TetraCast. Have a good one. Thank you.